welcome, welcome, welcome to the show, The Eccentrics with UI, where I have conversations with individuals that pass the following criteria, such as, which is just basically three things. One, that they have traveled a fair bit. Two, they have created a money-making venture. And three, they are willing to share with you, the audience, a destabilizing setback they had in the past, and most importantly, how did they rebound from it? But I have an important uh, announcement to make today. Um, as you know, each of our episodes for the last uh, nine weeks have been sponsored by a weekly newsletter that I created titled Three Nuggets Wednesday. But last week, I decided to change the name of the newsletter to Three Nuggets Weekly because I hadn't been delivering by you receiving the newsletter on Wednesday, as I had promised. And for the past uh, three weeks, this has been the case and it didn't sit well with me because I, my word is my bond. And if I say you will receive something on Wednesday, you should receive it on Wednesday. So with this change now, I promise that you receive the newsletter every week. And instead of putting a day to it, I, decided to just give you the promise that you will do receive the weekly newsletter every week. So the new name for the newsletter is now Three Nuggets Weekly. It's still 3NW, just to play on different names. With that, enjoy the show. For today's conversation, I am having a chat with a lady by the name of Kaya Piro. I met Kaya when I was in... Costa Rica in 2018. And I will tell you what fascinated me about Kaya. Her hair, she had this huge afro that got my attention. And I really have a fascination for afro. Hence why um, I like people like Kobe Bryant was the one that introduced me to basketball uh, because he had an afro. Uh, Donovan McNair was the one that introduced me to American football. Hence why my favorite team is the Philadelphia Eagles. And I also have uh, a fascination for Lenny Kravitz with that uh, afro. So when I saw Kaya's afro uh, sitting there in, these, uh, in the dining hall of uh, the hostel I was in in Costa Rica, I decided to stand up and go say hello to her. Besides, uh, not a lot of uh, Black people in uh, San Jose. You can see a lot of Black people in Limon province, but not in San Jose. So I saw another black person and I was compelled to go say hello because not a lot of us are in San Jose. And that's how my friendship with uh, Kaya began. So when the show was created, I reached out to Kaya and asked her if she wanted to come on the show because she embodied the three criteria that we used to select guests for the show. So Kaya's uh, bio is very brief. Uh, she's She wanted me to uh, share that uh, she's a world traveler, she's an artist, as well as a dominatrix living currently in Australia as an American expat. And that's what she just wants me to share as her bio. So with that, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Kaya and get inspired with the way she lives life and takes uh, life less serious and lives a very carefree life. So enjoy my conversation with Kaya. 
Oh, a little bit of warning. Uh, this episode contains some adult language. So uh, if you've got kids around, I would please recommend that uh, your ears are covered in certain sections of uh, this episode. But it's not too much. It's uh, It was just the way the episode was recorded. So thank you for your understanding. Hello, everyone. Um, about to... Not about to. I'm actually having a conversation with a lady all the way in Australia, <laughs> uh, as as it's called, outback country with weird animals. I'm sorry to say, <laughs> 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 but uh, I have I I have I have Kaya with me on the show today. Kaya and I met for the first time in 2017 up in Costa Rica, and uh, before I t- I tell you what made me decide to walk up to her and say hello to her. I would allow her to introduce herself and then we'll start the conversation that way. Mm-hmm. Kai, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm just waking up. I think for you, it's nighttime. It's morning for me. We're on the opposite sides of the world. It's a little trippy, but yeah, I'm good. I'm uh, yeah, just getting ready for the day and starting mm. it off with a podcast is a good way to start. So thanks for having me. <laughs> no worries. When we were trying to schedule the uh, you coming on, I did not know that... Australia had different time zones within the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised. It's actually almost as big um, land-wise as the U.S. It's a big country. It's just the population is a fraction of what the U.S. is. Um, so hmm. I think there's about four time zones here as well, I think. It trips me oh, out, wow. too. Yeah, it gets confusing, the time zone. Is it, is it similar to Canada where which is the second largest country in terms of landmass, but everybody stays in a thin line. Is it similar to Australia? Stays in a thin line with like where they're living? Yeah, so if you look at oh, the map sure. of Canada, if you look at yeah. the map of Canada, everybody is staying on the same line just above uh, Detroit. Yeah. And that is that is because if you go up north, now you're really going into polar bear country, right? Yeah, So true. So it's like everybody stays on a thin line within the entire, this second largest country in terms of landmass. But for Australia, with four different time zones, everybody, is it widespread in terms of human settlements? all along the coastline. So there's people inland, of course. There's plenty um, plenty of communities and towns inland. But mostly inland, I think, are like the mining sites. That's a big thing here. And I know there's indigenous communities inland. But um, yeah. The, the coastline is where you'd see the majority of the population. So Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, all that's East Coast. Perth over here is West Coast. Down south is Adelaide, South Australia. Up north is like Darwin, uh, Northern Territory. Yeah. If you go inland, that's like what you see in the movies of like the outback where it's just flat and red and dry. And yeah. Mm. If I may ask, where, where are you, if I may ask? I'm in Perth area. And what, what 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 is popular about Perth? I've never been to Australia. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, Perth is in Western Australia, and it's honestly it's the only city on this side of the country in this um, state of Western Australia. So I'm just trying to stay close to everything because I'm going through a big healing phase in my life. So I just I need to be close to the city. That's just my own personal reasons. Otherwise, I would be down south in um, the southwest of uh, Australia where it's much more green and like 
lush and a bit more out in nature. Uh, I need nature, but the city's cool. This is a cool, it's a cool enough city. I grew up very close to New York City, so it's definitely a big difference. Perth, I think, has a population, or no, all of Western Australia, which is almost half of Australia, has a population of, I think, like 2.7 million people. Whereas in I think pe- in Perth alone or in Western in, Australia, in all of Western Australia, which is okay. like, it's around like a third of the country. I think if you look at the map, it's the biggest state in Australia oh. and it's only like 2.7 million, something like that. So yeah, <laughs> wow. coming from growing up close to New York city, it's definitely, it feels very tiny and a big amount of land space. So Hmm. And, and how is it, I mean okay before we before we go to how you found yourself in Australia I mm. want to start the conversation with something that got my attention to you come and say hello to you that first time in in uh, in Escazú where we met in uh, Costa Rica yeah. your hair your hair yeah. was I you know first of all I love afro and I wanted to Lenny Kravitz was my idol when it came to hair how he kept that kind of hair was amazing. And growing up, I wish I could keep that kind of hair, but unfortunately, I started to bald at an early age. So I couldn't keep that nice lush hair, Where, which is funny that on top of my head, I was balding, but beard-wise, I am my game, my game right there is solid, right? <laughs> so so for you, I mean, how did that hair start about? Because it's it was really your style back then. Or yeah. has it always been has it always been your style for a long time? Oh no, it's it took uh probably I think I stopped chemically relaxing my hair uh, when I was 20. On my 27th birthday was the last time I did it and I'm I just turned 34. So um it took me a long time to embrace my natural hair because I'm I'm biracial. I grew up um raised by my mom's white, my dad's black. So um just growing up in the most beautiful woman, you know, the light of my life, my mother had, you know, this silky straighter, it's wavy, but straighter hair. And I had this Afro once I started becoming old, like an older kid and realizing like, Oh, I stand out with my curly hair. I don't want to look like this. I want to look like my mom. I want to look like all the other girls I think are so pretty, you know, the Britney Spears, the pop stars, I want to look like them. So I started straightening my hair and damaging it. And it took a long time to bounce back. And then eventually um, I just stopped relaxing it at 27. And then I think 28 or 29, I cut off all of the old hair that was still relaxed. So I had this little Afro and then I began my natural hair journey. And that was just the best thing. I've one of the best things I've ever done for myself. Um, Cause first of all, it's just, it's healthier. Like you don't want to be putting chemicals on your hair just to fit a beauty standard. That's ridiculous. Um, and second of all, yeah, people love it and I love it. And there's so many things I can do with it. And yeah, I love my funky hair. <laughs> so so let me ask, that. so what, it, why, what was it about the age of 27 that made you start to say, I want to embrace this, this hair that, that God gave me? What was it about 27? Actually, I think it applies to like everything we're going to be talking about, just like travel and all that, because I was heading off on um, kind of my, yeah, my first trip abroad by myself. I traveled abroad before, but with a partner at the time, but this was my first time going alone. And which was was 27 27 or 26? 
at 27. I had just 27. turned 27. Yeah. Okay. All right. And um, so I decided like, I just wanted to change and let go and stop having to worry about packing relaxer in my backpack when I'm traveling. And um, yeah, it was a big deal because the transition from relaxed hair to natural hair, it, it's not necessarily a pretty one if you don't know what to do with your hair, but thankfully I know how to braid. I know how to style my hair. Um, so I was able to get through that awkward transition phase pretty well. Um, but yeah, I stopped. Um, I also stopped doing my eyebrows at that time too. I just, I was like, I don't want to deal with any of this beauty upkeep. I just want to travel. I want to just relax. I just want to be my natural self. And so the hair was the first thing, the eyebrows too. And yeah. Talking about balding though, my eyebrows are, <laughs> that's where I like struggle. I, my hair on my head is great. My eyebrows, yeah, that's another it's story. An, it's, an, it's an another level. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm, when I met you in Costa Rica, one of the things that I admired about you, even though I've, I've never told you this, my first time telling you was, you just came across like this free spirits, very, very confident in yourself, the way you carried yourself and stuff. And you know, I follow you on Instagram as well, and you are really a cherry kind of personality. But if I met you prior to 27, when this transition for you began about being proud of your biracial side of you and your hair and everything, would I have said the same thing about you? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's interesting you say that because for me, I'm like, oh, that feels so nice to hear because I feel like a lot of people see me as you see me. I get that compliment a lot, which I love, but I'm at a point right now in my life in my just physical healing, but also emotional, mental, spiritual healing journey where I'm really trying to see myself the way other people see me. And it it's like a little bit in my body. I'm like, Ooh, talking about myself. It feels weird. Like being seen feels weird, but I'm trying to embrace that. Like you saw me in this way. So now I need to step out of myself and think like did other people see me this way yes they did and that's a beautiful thing and I need to embrace that and own it so yeah I'm I'm amazing <laughs> and I've been this way a long time and yeah I think the only thing that changed at 27 was uh just starting to come into that journey of like um embracing my blackness and what that means for me because I didn't have um much influence in that area growing up being raised by my white side so mm. yeah now before i was about to ask a question but you just ended something that makes me now uh say mm -hmm. i'm gonna ask the question you're yeah. raised primarily by your mom mm -hmm. and as you rightly said on the show your mom is caucasian mm -hmm. um did you ever have any exposure to being raised in a black setting at all since your father is is, is a black man no, I, I spent time, obviously, like I had friends that were black and I would go to their houses and, um, I learned a lot, like I learned how to do hair from my black friends and their moms. So, um, my mom would bring us over to them and, and she'd be like, help me, you know, <laughs> help me learn how to braid and do all this stuff. So my mom learned how to do very simple box braids, but me being the oldest of three girls, I was like, I'm, I've got to learn how to do this for myself and for my sisters. Like I got to take care of us. And so, yeah, so that, that was, um, I'm so grateful that I got kind of that sort of lesson in um, like learning how to manage 
black hair and style black hair. Uh, but other than that, just being around friends every so often, that was all I really got. So, mm. yeah. I have a friend of mine who is currently here in Canada and uh, they predominantly live in a very, very Caucasian neighborhood and they are about to make a transition to Texas, mm. Houston, Houston to be exact. Yeah. And the, the reason why they're making that move is their daughter is struggling with being the token. Yeah. And being the token is really affecting her where she's coming back home and she's making the same comment you made about why can I have fine hair and all that kind of stuff. And now the parents, the parents want to take her to a community like Houston where there's a little bit more diversity and stuff. So for you, you you, you didn't struggle with that at all, considering that you were raised by a Caucasian mom? Um, I didn't know I was struggling with it at the time, but now that I'm older, I realize how much I've actually struggled um, and it's coming out. I actually had a very deep conversation with my mom the other day where I was just crying. As I said, going through this healing process, it's just all the things are coming up for me. And thankfully, my mom is very open and listens and holds me through these processes. Um, she can't fully understand, but she she still meets me where I am and, and lets me express myself, which is great. And um, yeah, and I'm finding myself now being in Perth, uh, just Australia in general, but um, the part of Perth that I live in, it's it's predominantly white. And so I'm finding myself in these moments, like certain moments, I'm like, I get a little anxious or I start to feel like I need like, I need black friends. I need like friends, the friends of color that can understand, you know, the struggles that I have that, that my white friends don't have. And, and I have found actually, there's a lot of backpackers and um, people from different parts of the world here, which is nice. Not necessarily um, the same sort of feeling of the, a black community that I would love, but I do have a lot of friends who are, you know, my skin tone or they have curly hair. Um, I have a friend, he's half Egyptian, half Italian. And so I call him my, uh, you know, my, my brother, like we look very similar. Um, so I, I have some of it, but I, I just, it's really coming up for me lately that I, I missed really getting like that big dose of like, I don't know. I don't even know what to call it. <laughs> just, enough uh support in understanding myself as a black woman i didn't have that the way i needed growing up and so so now as an adult i'm trying to find it where i can and noticing when i start getting like okay i really need it now like i really need to fulfill that like fill that cup for myself and it's a it's a bit hard to find that out here in perth <laughs> there's black yeah. people around there's plenty but i just to find them is it's a lot more challenging than if I was in New York or something. So, so sorry, I'm asking these questions. I mean, oh, I'm asking sorry. these questions because I'm learning from you and also yeah. the audience, someone that is not so exposed to this is also probably learning from your conversation, mm -hmm. from your, from your story, um, mm -hmm. which man, pardon me for asking this question, but I'm going to ask no, which community, worry. which community are you more comfortable in? <laughs> no i'm totally comfortable answering all of this stuff i'm very transparent about just how i okay, feel all right. yeah so don't be afraid <laughs> okay, um, all right. i it's funny you asked that though because i that was something else i was crying to my mom about i it's not even well <clears throat> in terms of comfort 
I'm comfortable really with with most communities. Like I might feel a little bit like, ooh, I don't know what's going on in this community. So I'm like, I I really throw myself into it because that's how I am as a person, as a traveler. Like I'm putting myself into different communities constantly. If I'm going to Thailand, I've never been around Thai people, but I just jump right in and um, you know, like it's it's I'm very adaptable. I'm like a I don't know, is it a chameleon? Is that the animal? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. 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 Um, I can fit in everywhere. And so um, I would say if I had to go back to my younger self, at this point, I'm comfortable with anyone in any community, black, white, doesn't matter. But if I was going back to my younger self who didn't understand any of this at the deeper level, I'd say I was probably more comfortable with the white community. But at the same time, I... Yeah, it was hurting me at a deeper level that I didn't understand, you know, because I was idealizing this look that I would never have. And at a deeper level, it was making me feel like I wasn't enough, like I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't um, smart enough being in classes with mostly, you know, white kids when I was at the higher level classes in high school. Um, I actually flunked out of that level and had to get brought down to the lower level because of oh. a one grade in a math class. Yeah. So then it was just so interesting. See, that's where I started to first notice, like, I don't know, race stuff, like really started to sink in being biracial. I was like, wow, there's, there's the smart white kids. And then there's the, you know, the, the lower level, like all kids of color there, you know, the Hispanic kids, the black kids, like everyone, you know, and that kind of separation, I was like, at that point, I was like, I feel more comfortable with the people that look more like me down here. Like I'm frustrated because I know that I've got um, a higher, not learning skill, but how do I explain that? I'm more advanced in, you know, the English classes, the, like all of that social studies, but just because I formed math, I got brought down to this whole bracket of lower um, level classes but I'm happy down here. So I might not be getting the education that I should for this, these other areas, but I feel more comfortable with like the people that look like me. It's, it's been a crazy experience being biracial. It's yeah. I mean, race is, it's a big topic. It's obviously a hot topic, especially lately. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't like to encourage separation. I feel like a big purpose in my life is to bring people together no matter their race but in that purpose i need to also find myself and my comfort and my understanding of this this side of me and that side of me and merge them and come to peace with both of them and then yeah hopefully one day i can have a bigger impact on the world in terms of bringing yeah black and white together and yeah i don't know if that all makes sense <laughs> Oh, oh I mean, it, it, it does. And um, when you watch, when I watch uh, high school movies, mm. and the kid is grabbing the, the the tray and wanting to sit down, especially a biracial kid, mm. the black kids don't really want to hang around with that person. The white yeah. kids don't. So the kid is now in the middle. Did you, yeah. did you did you experience that even though you had this extroverted personality or your extroverted your extroverted personality allowed you to not experience that at all? 
I was a big drifter in high school and I found my way. I found myself being in every group. I was in the, you know, groups with like the, the white kids, the black kids, the Hispanic kids, um, the athletes, the skaters, the, the quiet kids, the artists, like I was dipping into every different, whether it's race or interests, um, you know, kind of group. And I do remember that I had a time in, I think my sophomore year of high school, where I was very consciously making an effort to fit in with, you know, the black kids. And I did, oh, I always got teased for the way I talk. Like I talk white, that, that was like, why do you talk white? Or like, why do you talk like that? Because of the way I talk. <laughs> and so that really, that really took a toll on me. And I didn't realize till later in life, but that really affected me. So I didn't feel black enough for the black kids. But then of course, like I've said with the white kids, like I'm, you know, I'm, I look very different. So when it came to like being the only, the token black girl with, you know, my white girlfriends, I felt like, you know, nobody can understand me with my hair struggles. Um, like people are saying things that are kind of making me feel uncomfortable, but I don't know how to speak up for myself because X, Y, Z it's yeah. A lot of not black enough for the black kids, not white enough for the white kids. And so I just became a drifter and I started skateboarding. I played sports too. And then I started skateboarding and then skateboarding just opened up my world to, honestly, I have a lot to thank skateboarding for in terms of my travel traveler ways, like just going your own way, just the, you know, kind of like, quote unquote, like a rebellious sort of lifestyle of like, I do what I want. I'm, you know, I skate where I want, like, I don't know if you're allowed to curse on this pod podcast, but I, okay. <laughs> like, like fuck the system, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Just, um, so yeah, I, I found myself just in love with skateboarding and then I'd go hang at the skate park and there's all kinds of people hanging around the skate park and it was right next to basketball courts. And it's just like a whole community of like misfits. And it just felt like, I felt like I found my people and that, that just opened up my world to like all types of adventure and stuff. And yeah, I don't wow. know if that like answered your question, That's, but yeah. <laughs> you know, as, as you were talking about skateboard, you know, the person I thought about was Lil Wayne. Who? Lil Wayne? Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, you know, Lil Wayne is, he's a musician, he's a creative. And he, there were, I think 2007, 2008, Lil Wayne was the king. Like he was, mm -hmm dropping tracks upon tracks and stuff and then all of a sudden from nowhere his next album was with guitars and skateboard i was like what are you doing <laughs> and, then, and then i remember listening to an interview i remember listening to an interview and he was like i don't want to be typecast i want to be i want to be able to be fluid and he might not like the music that's fine but mm. the day i stop creating music that i enjoy that's the day i'm gonna shut it down so Mm -hmm. listening to you talk about skateboard I didn't know that skateboarding could be so liberating yeah yeah that was and and still even in that world you know there there weren't a lot of people that looked like me but it was just more the energy of everyone just being like fuck it like we're all just we're all different we're all weird we've all got you know I don't know we yeah like and then like embracing you know tattoos and piercings and stuff and just like all these things that we've been told are like bad and this and that and it's like 
I felt like being a black girl in that, that scene too. I was like, Oh, I actually feel like this gives me opportunity to like stand out in a positive way rather than in other community, other environments where I was, you know, one of the only people of color in the group. I just felt like I had to like shrink and hide and not stand out. But in, in the skateboarding world, I was like, I want to be the first black female skateboarder. Like there were none at that time. And now there's plenty. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. But I'm like, damn, that could have been me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. With, with 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 all your traveling that you have done, would you say America is very charged up on 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 this gen race thing that black yeah. and white and stuff? Because being biracial and traveling to places you've been to, which you're going to share with us later on, yeah. do you do you find the the people treat you differently than when you come back to the United States with being biracial? I think there are things that people will say and do out in the world that because I'm from the U S I see it. And I'm like, Ooh, that like, that's, it's racist. And it, it is, but I think there's a lot more kind of like, I don't know how to explain it without it sounding weird. There's a lot more like uh, what's it called? A uh, PC culture in the U S where it's like, everyone's afraid to like, do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing. And everyone's really uptight about a lot of stuff. Whereas in other countries, like here, people say some messed up things, but in a way where you can really see, like, it's just so like, they don't get it. Whereas the racism I've experienced in the U S has been like intentional. And so honestly, I feel like, yeah, I feel like stuff is a lot more intense in the U S on both sides like I don't know the, it, it's a hard topic for me to talk about now because I'm still trying to figure myself out with with the black and white thing like I, I was sharing but I really feel like this calling to to find some way to help first America <laughs> the U.S. um just chill the fuck out <laughs> you know everyone just come together and chill the fuck out I don't know how it's gonna happen but I want to play a part in that bridge creating that bridge but yeah in other parts of the world like there have been things I've experienced but I think I feel more confident to speak up about it when I'm outside of the U.S. because in the U.S. like I said PC culture like you don't want to say the wrong thing you don't want to offend someone and because people are going to jump down your throat and all this cancel culture stuff and all the things it's it's so much more intense in the U.S. yeah now um what is PC? What does P? What does the P and the C stand for? Uh, I think it's p- politically correct. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. You, that's amazing you say that because I I just came back from Kenya. I was there for two years and five five months, and it wasn't planned as well. It was only twenty. It was only supposed to be a trip that was twenty six days, and ever since I came back, this PC culture thing you're talking about, I've actually started to notice it a lot. I think that one of the favorite phrases in North America, which is including Canada, is they want to say something, but they always start by saying no disrespect. I'm like, just yeah. say what you just say what you want to say. Why do you have to say no disrespect? Or they want to say something. They're like, oh, let, let me tell you another one that just happened to me the other day. I was talking mm. to somebody and I asked the question. I said, so what do you think? The person's like, I don't want to speak for the other person. So, mm. so I'm just like, 
do you think I'm gonna go on social media and blast you out? Like two of us are yeah. just having a chat. Why do you have to always be so PC culture? It's crazy, yeah, man. Sure. Just just give me your opinion about something and stop thinking about trying to always be in the correct aisle or the spectrum of the conversation. Yeah. What happens what happens what happens to truth of your opinion? Exactly. There's so much fear. It's just, there's so much fear. I could go on for days, but I won't do that. (laughs) But just the way that there's been so much fear created um, because of social media, because of just the way the world is right now. And it's a lot of it, like the U.S. is the center of everything. Like everyone's looking to the U.S. So yeah, there's a lot of fear around speaking your truth because there are a lot of people who face like really grave consequences for saying one wrong thing and we see that happening because of the posts on social media and we're like oh i don't want that to happen to me so i'm just gonna keep my mouth shut you know everyone's just playing it safe and it's like we're not gonna learn and grow if we're not making mistakes and you know it's yeah like i said i could go on about that forever but (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. so let's transition here let's make a segue so you had this cool hair (laughs) <laughs> for a long time and then you you did something that you publicized on your social media channel which was um, instagram which is mm-hmm. what i'm using here you cut the hair mm-hmm. what was the motivation behind that and when you even cut it i remember i saw that you even burnt it yeah and it was it was it was this thing that you had with your mom i think your mom was the one uh capturing it on video and yeah. then there was a little it was this kind of ceremony with the both of you mm-hmm born in the hair and you were now bald for a while mm-hmm. i mean why did you do that so there are several reasons um i think i had turned 30 that previous year and i had always told myself when i turn 30 i want to shave my head i want to experience you know being bald before i get like much older um and so my 30th birthday came around the september before i did that i shaved my head the following april So September came around. I was like, nah, I like my hair. (laughs) So I left it. I went to a couple of festivals. Um, I got a really bad haircut. So my hair ended up being shorter than I wanted. And I was like, damn, that sucks. My hair was getting really long and it was in its natural curly state. And I was like, oh, this haircut sucks. And then I went to these festivals and I didn't know at the time. I don't, I, I think I know which festival it was, but I ended up getting lice. And so I realized a month later, I was like, something's wrong. And I was having friends check my head because I was, I knew in my gut, I was like, this is not, it's not dry scalp. It's not dandruff. Like this is a feeling of burning, itching I've never felt before. So I was having friends look, they were all like, no, nothing's there. Nothing's there. And I was like, what's wrong with me? I'm going crazy. Finally, it had to, I had to have had them for like, yeah, like I'm, I don't know. I'm yeah, like a month and a half before I was a month in, I was like, okay, I've got them. I, I saw one and I got them and I started treating my hair with my hair and doing those lice treatments in the comb. There was no way they weren't coming out. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And so eventually I was just like, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm damaging my scalp, my hair. They're not coming out. I said, I wanted to shave my head when I was 30. I'm 30. Let's just do it. It's time for a fresh start. I was going through like a breakup, just all these reasons. I was like, let me just shed this the universe is just telling me like it's given me these lights to tell me to do what I said I wanted to do and to let go of all the energy of like this relationship and just the past that's held in my hair. So yeah, then my mom was like, yeah, so supportive. She helped me cut it. 
I recorded it. And then when I went to go burn it, um, it was just like symbolizing that release of just like, just be gone, just be gone. All, all of this old energy that's not serving me anymore. Let's just, yeah. What's it called? Like, uh, you know, like a Phoenix, <laughs> all this mm-hmm. stuff. I'm struggling like with my explanations lately. I don't know if it's the planets or just me, but, um, but yeah, just burning it just to totally be rid of it and start over. Wow. Yeah. It was so the, yeah, I know because I'm about to ask you a question on the other side now. Um, mm. So let's take our first water break here. Okay. And we'll be back with Kaya. So we're back now with uh, Kaya and the question I asked Kaya was why she cut off the hair and most importantly, what was the celebration around this burning of the hair, which she answered. And the next question I have for you, Kaya, is I've been told there was, there was a lady that came on the show. Her name is Amandela. She's a short story writer and a poet. And she, we were talking about hair for a while because we came to realize how hair is very important for the black woman. Mm. How was it for like you going bald for the time period you, you went bald? That was, um, that was a big experience for me. Yeah. As a black woman and seeing, okay, my hair is not going to grow back the way that my mom's hair has grown back when she cuts it really short. Like I'm going to have to go through this teeny weeny Afro transition phase, but I'll, I'll say when it was completely bald, I felt so beautiful. I didn't know what to expect, but I felt so beautiful. And just the feeling of not having any hair and just touching my head and feeling the wind on it when I was riding a bike and the shower water falling on it, it was just, it was amazing. But once it started growing to that sort of like awkward length (laughs) where I didn't want to cut it to style it because I wanted it to grow back knowing the way my hair pattern is in the back of my head versus the top of my head. I didn't want to shorten it in the back because then I'd end up once it got long looking like a mushroom. (laughs) So I wanted to just not touch my hair, let it all grow back the way at the length that it was. So I went through a very awkward length transition phase and that that was really hard for me. I didn't feel attractive. Um, yeah, I, I, it really challenged my sense of self-worth and seeing myself past my hair because I had gotten so much attention for my hair. Um, even before I stopped relaxing it and went natural, just because my hair had always been really long. And as a black woman having long, thick, healthy hair, I know in high school, I was taught that that's like rare because everyone, the black kids were always like, oh my God, you've got that good hair. Like, I'm so jealous of your hair, all this stuff. And I I didn't understand until then. And I was like, oh, this must be rare. Okay. (laughs) So then I put a lot of value in my hair and having it be long and healthy and thick. So then, yeah, a decade later, you know, going natural. And then after that, shaving it, it was just it was, it was big. It was big to do that. But like I said, being totally bald, I felt amazing. I felt like very model-esque and like, cause I'm also very tall and relatively slim. So I had that very like 
long, elegant, and bald, like, <laughs> Vogue look, maybe. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, the awkward length. I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But I got through it. I got into a relationship at that point, too. And um, he's beautiful, like, just very, very physically attractive and beautiful inside, but also very physically attractive. So I know it was a challenge for me at that time to... Um, feel like I was deserving of this beautiful man because I felt like I had this little boy look about me and yeah so it was hard it was hard now my hair is back to the length that it was before I shaved it if not longer um so that was uh April 2019 I shaved it bald and I just trimmed it a little bit here and there but yeah it's mm. back and forth yeah will you do will you do it again I've thought about it. I'm not going to lie. Because actually, funny, I did get lice again earlier this year. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? What What is going on with lice in I, your hair? I'm sorry. You know what? I think is it because it's, it's so, is it, is it because it's so big? <laughs> it's, I think what it is, like, this is going to sound bad. I do. I love hugging people and I would never discourage hugging. But with that being said, it's the environments that I'm in. And I know that there are people in these environments. It's, you know... I love, I'm a hippie. I don't ever want to talk bad about hippies. I'm such a hippie at heart. Um, I have my moments of just like roughing it out in nature or at a festival and just going, you know, wild bush lady. Like I'm, you know, just, I, I'm just a wild woman. <laughs> so it's nothing against like hippies or anything, but there are a lot of people in these communities who are not taking care of that or like they're, and there's also a lot of hugging. So the way that this happens, like if one person gets them, you could get it from, you know, your, your kid who got it at school, but then you go and hug someone. And then everybody in that community is hugging constantly. The, those lights, they jump quick, they move quick. So I hugged one person <laughs> um, and poof, they just popped in my hair. And then a couple of days later I saw, thankfully this time I caught it quick. So I was able to tackle it. So I didn't have to shave my hair again. But the last time I didn't know for like a month. Um, so yeah, now <laughs> I've got like the phantom itch, even though that was months ago, they've been gone for months, but like the phantom itch, it lasts. So if I talk about it, I'll like feel a tingle on my head. I'm like traumatized. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so, so if someone is listening to this that has big hair like you and you cut your life so early, what did you mm -hmm. do to eradicate it instead of cutting your hair like the last time? Um. I, what did I do? I would straighten, I straightened my hair and then, uh, not every time. The first time I straightened my hair, I did the treatment. I got the most natural option. Like it's always going to be rough on your skin and your hair, but I got the most natural but potent option. Cause I was like, I'm not messing around. They gotta, they gotta die. <laughs> like I'm not cutting my hair again. So, um, this was the best one that the pharmacist recommended. So I did that. Um, and then because my hair was straight, um, I let it sit, then I combed through it, but then I was like, Oh wait, no, you're supposed to do it in the shower. So then after that, I was like, I don't need to straighten my hair and damage it with the heat. So I put it in my hair when it was curly. Um, and then once you go to wash it out in the shower, you get the, the lice conditioner and that helps smooth out your hair. So when you go through with the little knit comb, um, I tiny piece by tiny piece, like, like. I don't know what what's this measurement you think around <laughs> like uh, uh, what uh, 
I'll probably say one millimeter, almost yeah. two or three millimeters, yeah, thereabout. Yeah, yeah, two or three square millimeters of hair at a time just going through um, with the lice comb. Yeah. So it's that, a lot. That is, that's a lot of yeah. time. Oh, my a God. A lot of time. And you have to do that every week for three or four weeks. So for the month, you have to do it every seven days, that same treatment to make sure the cycle is broken because they'll lay eggs. And you don't want the eggs to hatch and create more. And then they keep doing that. That's when it's out of hand. But if you catch it early enough, yeah, you can get rid of it. It's hard, but. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hectic. <laughs> I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Mm -mm -mm. Mm -mm. But, but, but for, for, for someone like me that has got short hair, I wouldn't have to go through such a uh, rigorous treatment, would I? No, you'd be fine. I, I did a treatment on a friend of mine and he's, he doesn't have curly hair, but he's, he had short hair. And it was like a matter of minutes that I went through with the comb and it was, yeah, he was fine. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. On it, honestly, I, I have to say when, when you, when you said hippie, I was like, in my mind, I'm like, um, you said it, not me because I saw, <laughs> I, I saw, I saw a video of you. Sorry to say, let's just keep, let's just keep it real. Yeah. You, always. Were stuck, you were stuck naked in water. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, who is this girl? Like, Oh my God. Like this, this side of you, this, this boisterous full of life and stuff which of your parents did you pick it up from um well i was raised by my mom most like yeah i was raised by my mom so i definitely got it from her i am like the spitting image of her energetically like we don't exactly look alike but energetically we even sound alike people are like oh my god i couldn't tell if it was you or your mom on the phone um but yeah she is just like She's a big ball of love and I've definitely got that from her. Um, but my dad is also, I've, I've spent time with him and he's also very much like, he's a social butterfly. He loves festivals. He Like my mom and dad were, I was a festival baby. Like they were bringing me to festivals when I was in the womb, when I was a toddler. Like, um, yeah, because I had both of them together until I was four. So um, yeah, just had that ingrained in me and I'm so grateful for that. It's just, yeah, it's such a big part of who I am. But yeah, I love being naked in nature. I love everything about being out in nature. I love, you know, people who are really connected with just living very natural lifestyles. Yeah, I think it's just, I think it's just that festival environment where <laughs> like there's so much hugging that goes on and it's so beautiful. But yeah, you, you hug one wrong person who might not be aware that they got something crawling around in their hair a lot of dreads too like people with dreads might not know that they've got them um as quickly because like there's just so much with dreads i don't know i i can't speak too much on it but i know when i was a kid and i got got lice in school i was like seven um i had dreads at the time and then my mom just cut them off because mm. yeah it's really it's it's hard like even if you have them with dreads a lot of people end up cutting their hair so yeah yeah so like uh, you gotta really be careful if you got threads <laughs> so let, let's talk about travel so you started doing your solo travel for the first time at the age of 27 correct solo travel yeah yeah solo travel so mm -hmm. where have you been and uh, and what's your experience like solo traveling because you stand out you're tall <laughs> you're a black woman you had that big hair and everything um, I've had someone on the show who has traveled to 49 countries. 
Mm. And she was telling she was telling us the challenges of being a woman doing solo travel and always thinking of safety and all this kind of stuff. And she even shared something about Uber. I never even thought about that. As a guy, I don't think like that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so so how, how has solo travel been for you and what have you learned from it and where have you been? Um, I would say this is always like the biggest thing I want people to understand is that majority of people are inherently good. Like the risk that's out there, the dangerous people that are out there, I feel like honestly, nine times out of 10, you are not going to encounter anyone who's trying to harm you. Most people want to help you. Most people are just absolutely lovely. Now, with that being said, you do have to be very um, street smart traveling as any person. I know guy, guy friends who have been robbed, um, jumped because they're just like, I don't know, they, they think that they're untouchable, but like, no, <laughs> you guys are are prone to it too. But obviously there's a much bigger risk for us as women. Um, I feel fortunate in my height to not necessarily feel as nervous and threatened because I feel like guys are less likely to target me if I, I I'm just a bigger person, you know, I've, I've, I don't know if that's a story I told myself. So I just have this like internal, like this confidence, but <laughs> it could be true. It could not be true, but that's just how I feel. Um, versus I've traveled with very small, petite girlfriends of mine. And I've seen the way that guys look at them versus the way that they look at me and they get a lot more attention in a, in a kind of creepy way, depending on where we are um, in the world. But I'm like, I personally, I'm glad I don't have to deal with that. But um, I don't know. I've been seeing a lot of stuff about, yeah, the Ubers and all of this stuff. And I have, fortunately, I have a lot of street smarts that I've just, I've just grown up with because of my upbringing. Um, so I don't have to like think too hard about it. It's just like the, the reaction and the intuition. It's just like majority of the time it's on point. Um, so yeah, like I've done some things I'm not proud of, or I wouldn't tell my mom I've done because she would be like, Oh my God, you, I can't believe you did that. That's so reckless. But it's just that I have, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I might sound crazy, but I've, I've just got this, this trust in myself that like when a situation isn't right, I know, and I don't get myself involved in it. Not to say nothing bad has ever happened to me. Bad things have happened to me, but not. Yeah. I, I'm pretty confident in myself and my ability to navigate the world. And to be honest, I haven't really put myself in. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't gone anywhere that I feel like I wouldn't feel safe just intuitively. Maybe I could go and be safe and it would be fine. But I just, I listen to my intuition as much as I can. And if I'm not like really called to go to this certain country or this, this certain city, um, I'm not going to go. Like I'm not going to push myself to go somewhere that, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I don't want to like feel, I don't want to have to feel uncomfortable and yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll save that country to go to with someone like a friend or a partner or something like that, you know? Yeah. But traveling alone, I've, I love it. I love the freedom of just being able to go wherever you want. And you're also not really ever alone. Like I always meet people. You will always meet people in the hostels. If you're, staying somewhere by yourself, you know, there's, I could go on about that forever, like how to still meet people, but um, you will always meet people if you want to, when you're traveling alone. Like I've stayed in Airbnbs by myself and still gone out to eat by myself and then happened to meet a group of guys. And I'm like, Hey, can I cruise along with you guys? And they're like, yeah. And then had the best night out. 
you know, maybe friends. <laughs> spend the rest of the weekend with them. So, yeah. Hmm. Where, where was the where was the first place you solo traveled to? Thailand. No way. Yeah. Why, why, did, why, why did you choose Thailand? I can't remember exactly at the time. I knew I wanted to go to Southeast Asia. And I think the research I'd done, Thailand just seemed like the best place to do my, to have my first experience alone. But I was terrified because that's the other side of the world for me um, to go by myself. It's a whole other language. I don't know. Like I can get by with Spanish, Italian, like, you know, all the, the European languages I can get by with the Latin American stuff. Like I can get by with that. But Thai, that's like, that's not even the... Sorry, um, sorry, sorry. When you say get by, do you mean you're a polymath or a polyglot? You can oh, speak several no. languages? I can speak functional Spanish, but other stuff, like, I think because we have the same um, written alphabet, what do you call that? It's, what's the, um, you know, like how we all see an R the same way, but if you look at like Mandarin or Thai or, you know, Japanese, it's like they've got their own... I can't think of the word <laughs> right now. Um, 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 do you mean when you write a word and you see two dots on top of it and things like that? No, that... it's just like the alphabet. Like the the letters are all the same. Like okay. if you write okay. an A in Amer in English, you write an A in Spanish. It's the same writing, you know. Okay. So you can kind of like, and it's also de all derived from Latin or like you know, like those kind of languages. Um, okay. Because I I know enough Spanish. Um, and I was always really good with English, like as literature um, and grammar and all that stuff. Uh, and here I am struggling with words, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to be totally honest. I'm PMSing really hard right now. And during that phase of my cycle, I'm like, nobody talked to me, but I'm so happy to be here. But I'm just like, I, I don't make sense. So nobody don't even try to talk to me. <laughs> See, that, that, that's, that's the free spirit of you. There's no one else that would ever say that, that in my network. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah. love it. I think of life as like a video game, you know, we're all just at these different levels and like, we're, it's just like, just don't take life so seriously. Like it's, we have this one life and I don't get me wrong. I have moments where I take life very seriously and I'm stressed and I'm like, what am I going to do? My whole body's tight. And I'm like, Ugh. but I try my hardest to not take life seriously and just think of it like a video game. Like, all right, you got to do this to get to the next level. And you know, enjoy it along the way. Like it's, you play video games because they're fun, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. you got to get to the next level, but make it fun. <laughs> so you, you, were, you were telling us about your experience in Thailand and how the language was tough and all that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So being on that flight from, um, I flew to Hawaii first to see my friends and then from Hawaii, I flew to Thailand. So it broke up the trip a bit, but just knowing that I was going to a country where no one was going to understand me. That's what I told myself. I was like, no one's going to understand me. If I like start choking in the street, nobody's going to know to help me. Like I was telling myself all these crazy stories because I was so scared. But then I get on the plane and actually uh, met a girl from Canada. And so I was like, oh, an English speaker. This is great. And then we get to Thailand, to Bangkok, and she gets picked up by her boyfriend. And she told me, you know, like get a taxi. This is how much it should be because she had been there before. So I, I did that, got it to my hostel and everything was fine. I get to the hostel. The, Thai, the receptionist is Thai but she speaks English. And I was like, Oh, this is great. Like, you know, I'm so, so fortunate as a, as a English speaking person in this world to like, be able to travel like this and now know that plenty of people will be able to understand me. But at the same time, I try my hardest to learn as many 
words in the language of the country that I'm visiting to respect them. You know, like you're in their country, show an effort. Like you don't, you're not going to become fluent if you're there for a month, but you can still learn. Hello. Thank you. Please. Um, can I have, you know, I don't know, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Basically, basically the basics. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you finished that experience with Thailand. Is that when is that when the travel bug really now started to become a thing for you? Oh, it was bad. It not bad. It was great. It was strong <laughs> before that. It was after my first trip abroad with my partner at the time in 2014. Um, we came back from that, and I was just that was a three month trip backpacking Europe, and I had planned the whole thing. And we came back from that, and I was like crying. I did not want to come home. He was like, he was happy to come home. I was like, I don't want to go home. So that was probably the first little sign that maybe we weren't going to continue to stay together. But um, yeah, he's still, he's a great person. It was a great experience. The trip is not what broke us up, but it was just like, when we did break up, it was a blessing in disguise through my heartbreak. After my heartbreak, I realized this is great. Now I'm free to go travel the world by myself. And so then that's when my, my solo trip happened and that was like really like yeah i can do this alone i i don't need anyone this is great yeah so, yeah so i i met, when i met you in costa rica were you doing a south american kind of exploration at the time or was costa rica just a place you came to for straight from the us and decided because a lot of americans go to costa rica yeah i was there for a festival um okay and that was because I've gone to right. that festival a couple years, so I'm trying to remember if I met you the first year going to that festival or if it was like the next. I met, I met you. I met you in 2018. Yeah. Okay. I think that might have been the first year then that. I, yeah, the first year that I went to that festival. Um, and yeah, I had gone to that festival, and before that, I had been in Guatemala. So yeah, I did a month in Guatemala, then I went to Costa Rica, then after the festival, after I met you, I went to travel more of Costa Rica um and then after that i ended up moving to guatemala because i had <coughs> excuse me i had um become smitten with uh, a a guy there <laughs> i was like i'm just gonna go live there but that's actually 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 you told me about that guy where we met <laughs> in costa rica you told me there was a i think you even told me you met him in a yoga retreat or something like that oh uh, no i met oh maybe in um it was a volunteering thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so you, you, re- you really followed through on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went on to have a relationship that, that whole year. Um, but yeah, that was, um, he, we're still amazing friends to this day. I love him to death. Um, but mm-hmm. as romantic partners, that was, um, that was an experience that <laughs> I, I started to learn, okay, like, try not to move somewhere for someone. Now we're going to, we're going to let guys move places for us. Like I'm still kind of learning that, but it's, you know, as a story for another day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I, can I ask a question just about yeah. guys, if I may, please. Sure. Yeah, with, your pers- with, with your personality being a free spirit and everything, mm. do you, do you jive well with other free spirits when it comes to a partner or do you jive better with someone that is a little bit more conservative than you? Um, I think I love a fellow free spirit because I love someone who's also like gonna, I want someone who's willing to travel with me. I want someone who's open-minded in terms of like, um, like sex and sexuality. Like I've, um, I've tried like open relationships and stuff like that. Um, 
And yeah, I'm just, I'm very adventurous. I'm also very sexual. I'm like just all of these things. So that kind of, uh, a person who is a more, more of a free spirit, I think is more suited for me in in those ways, <laughs> those important ways. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're 34 now, you started solo mm-hmm. traveling 27. You are now lived in, in, in Australia for four years or six years. Three, three. Three, three years. When you went to uh, Australia the first time, just like I went to Kenya for 26 days, was there a set number of days you were supposed to be there and now it's turned out to three years? How, how did Australia become a thing for you? So I actually first came here after that Thailand trip in, 20, in 2015, but I tore my meniscus in my knee here. And so when I flew home, I was only here for two weeks at that time. And I just saw Sydney. I think I saw somewhere up in like the uh, up in Queensland, Airlie Beach. Um, and that was it. And I was like, Australia sucks. Like that was my that was my thought because <laughs> I tore my meniscus a few days in and I couldn't really do anything. And it also was coming from like I had just been in like, you know, Thailand. It's just so like tropical and exotic. And I was just like, oh, and, and cheaper. Thailand's cheaper. The food is better. The people are so nice. When I came to Australia, I was like, oh, this just feels like America on the other side of the world. Like, this is boring. <laughs> so, and it's expensive and the food sucks. Like, that's how I felt. So then when I was living in Guatemala and I was coming out of that relationship, I actually, I actually, I never told him this. So I, it'll be funny if he hears, but I don't, I don't mind. Um, but I needed a re like a way to get as far away from him as possible so that I could, this is what I told myself. I needed to go from Guatemala to Australia in order to get over this man because I was so smitten with him and I felt like I couldn't leave if I didn't have a visa tying me to going to somewhere on the other side of the world. So I started applying for the working holiday visa and the age cutoff for U.S. Americans is 30, 30 is the oldest you can be. So at 31, I wouldn't be able to come here. So I had turned 30 in Guatemala. So that was during that relationship. And then um, I applied for the visa. Um, we split up, I applied for the visa and I was like, okay, I can't go back to Guatemala no matter how bad I want to keep trying. I can't go back there. So I got this visa to come to Australia, literally to just pull myself away from where I was. I didn't really want to come here. Did you, did you, did, did you know anyone in Australia to decide to go to Australia? No. No. So hold a second. You went. You you picked yourself up from South America or Central yeah. America, yeah. and you went to the other side of the world because you were trying to get away from this smitten man that had all these juices about him that really got your attention. And you you chose a country that you don't know anybody in. Yeah, <laughs> this is how I just like. I literally my life is led by my heart in so many ways. Like I don't. It, this is what I'm saying, like the intuition and all of that, because honestly, I'm so grateful for where I am. It's been a wild ride, but I'm so grateful for where I am. And if I didn't listen to all this intuitive, these intuitive moves, I wouldn't be here. And so, yeah, I just, I ended up when I did get here or like a few months before I was coming out here, I learned that a girl that I went to high school with who we were like kind of becoming friends through Instagram because we were both traveling. We didn't talk in high school at, really at all. But then we bonded through Instagram and I visited her on my travels at one point later on um, or not long before that, actually. Anyways, the timeline doesn't matter. But um, she was out here. And so 
she was like, oh, you should fly into the, you know, come stay at the hostel I'm staying at in Byron Bay. It's really great. You love it. It's really hippie, really chill. And I was like, all right, cool. Because I literally, as I said, the cutoff, age cutoff was 31. I got to Australia two days before my 31st birthday. Or I left mm-hmm. two days. I got here the day before my 31st birthday. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't plan to come here because she was here. But it was a happy coincidence that she was here. And I got to spend my birthday with someone I was familiar with and friends with. Um, But then I just went on to do my own thing. And then, yeah, a month into that, met a guy, started a a, a No, no, no. Before before you go into that. Yeah. How long were you, how long did you in your mind think you were going to be in Australia for? (laughs) Oh, a couple couple months, maybe at most. (laughs) Wow. I got here end of August and I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go home like probably around like I wanted to go home and be able to snowboard before the season was over. So I was like, oh, you know, I could go back in like March and do some spring snowboarding, February, March. Um, And then, yeah, no. (laughs) So, yeah. So 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 basically the tickets, did you did you have a return ticket or just a one way ticket? first? I usually get a one-way ticket because this is how I am. Okay. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> okay. So you, yeah. you did you did a one-year t- one-way ticket to Australia. In yeah. your mind, you were going to be there for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. In a couple of months, you probably have gotten over this smitten man that is up in Guatemala, right? And then <laughs> you're going to find your way back to the United States to catch the snowboarding season before it ends, yeah. right? Yeah. And then life changed because of another man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is why I'm saying I'm learning this uh lesson of not uprooting my life for someone else but in that being said I have found roots here um in a way that feels good it's challenging it's so challenging but it feels good so it started with me again doing the same thing that I did in Guatemala you know except I didn't I didn't move here for my partner I came here met him and decided to stay for him Mm. but um but yeah, in that being said, like, like I found, I found my own sense of, of home here. I still consider the U.S. The U.S. is my home. Like my where my mom is, that's my home because I can call many places in the world home. But where my mom is, where my sisters are, you know, that's home. So, yeah, I'm. <clears throat> this is another home to me, and I'm, I'm so grateful, like, to have the home that I have now and the the work that I have and everything. I don't think I would have experienced this sort of grounding because I've been traveling for so long. I've experienced this amazing sense of grounding. um, Thanks to having made a decision based around a man. Last time I wasn't finding anything for myself in Guatemala. I was very much focused on, I'm so in love with him. I just want to be where he is. And I wasn't doing anything for me. I wanted to become fluent in Spanish. I wanted to figure out how to work remotely all these things, but I just became, I wanted to get more into music, learn the bass. And I did little things in those areas, but not enough to the point where I felt like I was like filling my own cup. It was very much about the guy. Whereas here I'm learning to, you know, balance everything and take care of like myself the way I always needed to. So that's been great. Okay. So I'm a guy, I'm Mm -hmm. a guy. So I'm, I'm wearing my guy hats right now. Yeah. <laughs> this guy in Guatemala, if you're not comfortable 
answer the question, please let me know. Go for it. Oh, okay, good. All right. So this guy in Guatemala, I think he had an idea that he knew he had he had he had all these things over you, correct? Yeah. And then he finds out that you guys find out that things are not working and you decide to run away to the other part of the world. When you are away, when you are away before you met your current partner that you're with now, did you silence his voice so that he couldn't speak into your life? Because you knew, I think if he, if you allowed him to, um, okay, I'm speculating here before I ask my question. Yeah. If he had spoken into your life, you probably would have jumped on another plane and gone back to Guatemala if he had said sorry or something. So how did you really, how did you, and this is not, this is not a relationship podcast by any chance, but you've really, you've really spoken very glowingly about this man. And I'm trying to understand how did you break away from this, this glowing man, as you, as you, as you rightly stated earlier. It's funny you say like if he had come back into my life, I would have jumped on a plane. I did go back and visit him before I came out here. <laughs> I went to visit him for his birthday. <laughs> you, you see, I knew it. I was like, yeah. How did she? And how did she? How did she cut away so easily? This is why I needed the flight. I needed the visa and the flight so that I could not stay <laughs> because I left him December 2018. Uh, I started my visa application, uh, submitted it in February 2019. I went back to visit him um, April 2019 for his birthday. Um, and then I was on a plane to this side of the world in August 2019. <laughs> he, 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 he allowed you to leave. Weren't, when you went to see him in April 2019, mm-hmm. the issues that you guys had that kind of put a wedge between the two of you at that time, wasn't it dealt with? Because you really speak very highly of this man. Yeah, because the thing is, I I knew deep down that he didn't he wasn't ready for a serious relationship. He had even told me, but then he acted differently and he treated me as a guy would treat a girlfriend, bringing me around his family, holding my hand, kissing me around the people, you know. So my woman brain, my female brain was like, he wants, you know, I'm his girlfriend. Everyone was asking, like, is this Novio, his boyfriend? Like, I was always getting, like, is this, you know, Novio? And I was like, ah. So eventually I was like, you know, I am your girlfriend. You are my boyfriend. It doesn't have to be serious. But, like, we're dating. Like, we're together. We're in a relationship. We're not, sorry, we're not just dating. We're in a relationship. I, like, I'm with you all the time. Pretty much live together. So it was, like, a very confusing thing. So at the end... It was just like, there were so many things happening where I was like, okay, I have to like admit to myself, he is never going to be like even ready for a a casual boyfriend, girlfriend relationship. Like he, the label thing, it's not working. I just, and it's, it's hurting me. Like it's getting too confusing. He's not being as honest with me as I told him to be. Like I said, I'm very open sexually, all this stuff. I won't get into too much detail, but, um, yeah, I just wanted honesty and I wasn't getting the honesty I wanted. So that's when I was like, I just got to go because I I feel like I'm making this very easy for him. But he's clearly not ready for even the easiness, the, the ease of the type of relationship that I'm down for. And so I just got to go. But in that being said, it helped me accept he is better off as a friend. And even, you know, like when I went back to visit him, we were still intimate. Like it's still like that's how I am. I can, I can be that way. I just need the person that I'm with to be honest. And like with honesty, the possibilities are endless. I just need like honesty and, and commitment to a degree. You know, if I'm in a relationship with you, I need commitment to a degree, but 
I'm learning to accept that you can make a commitment and things can still change. It's just nothing in life is certain. So, hmm. yeah, I, I, I have a, I have another question, but we're going to take our second water break now. Yeah. And we will come back to continue this conversation with Kaya. So let me give you guys a preview of what this question is going to be. Basically, I'm giving you a preview, Kaya. Could I give the The preview of the question is, you're a hippie, mm. but you also still want kind of certainty in a way as well, which is kind of interesting because most hippies are, okay, the hippies that I know. Yeah, the yeah. hippies that I know, certainty is too... It's it's like it's like being a water in a bottle. They want to be fluid. Yeah, yeah mm. they want to be fluid and stuff. So it seems as if in your hippiness, which is me previewing the question for after uh, after our water break, in your hippiness, when it comes to this thing called relationship, certainty is the word in that domain. Mm. Is that is, is 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 now? Let me not say is that the thing. That's the question I'm about to ask on when we come back from a water break so okay. stay with us we'll be back with kaya <laughs> well taking this uh water break and enjoying the music which is, by the way, my favorite genre, jazz, hence why it's the signature tune for the show. Wanted to remind you about uh, a weekly newsletter that uh, I produce every week, titled Three Nuggets Weekly, where I share with you, the audience, three things that I found interesting, valuable, that might add value to your life uh, during the previous week. Uh, like the, the newsletter that came out last week, I shared with the audience a website called blast.com that I had found in my discovery where you can find as many book summaries as you want uh, out there. It's uh, done by a guy called Richard Blast and he reads about six to seven books a month. That is a lot of books. So I, I shared with the subscribers uh, to Three Nuggets Weekly about that website. I also shared a Bible verse that... Uh, spoke to me and that section actually of the weekly newsletter is done with myself and an individual by the name of Annie Sonny. I'm going to keep Annie Sonny as a secret for now. Hopefully one day Annie Sonny decides to reveal himself or herself to the audience. But yes, that's Three Nuggets Weekly. I hope you would uh, subscribe to it. You can go to my website www.uiukpong.com and right there on the home page it will ask you if you want to subscribe to Three Nuggets Weekly and you can insert your email address and you would receive it every week in your inbox. Something nice, tasty, toasty, whatever the word is with tea. Well, let's get back with my conversation with Kaya. So... I, I did a cheat mode by prefacing a question so that Kaya could think it through, but also for you, the audience, to basically say, hmm, you're thinking in the same lines like we're thinking already. So, Kaya, the question now directly is, being a free spirit that you are, which is uh, putting a label to it, which is being a hippie, um, mm-hmm. 
when it comes to relationship, there seems to be certainty there for you in that domain. Is my assumption a correct assumption? Yeah. So um, I think for me personally, I'm, I, as much as I float around and travel the world, I do like to feel also a sense of home and grounding. So I think that that ties into how I feel with relationships as well. Like I want, um, I want commitment, but that commitment doesn't need to be, and these are all words. Like we've put meaning into these words. So someone hears, especially a guy, like most commonly like with guys, they hear the word commitment and they're like, Oh no. <laughs> um, Cause most of us women, we, we want commitment. And I'm not saying all women, I'm saying a lot of us, like, you know, there's different things at play. Like we, it's like our, maybe our maternal instinct. We want the commitment of um, a man who's going to be around to, you know, help us raise a child or help us, you know, support us in, in building a home so we can raise our child. To, like it's, I think all these very primal sort of instinctual things. Um, so for me, I, I'm not ashamed to admit, like I, that's what I want. Like I want that commitment from someone um, that they, just a commitment to our, our partnership. So they don't need to be my everything. They don't need to be my, you know, there's no, there's really no way that one person can be everything for you. This is why we have friends. We have different friends for different reasons. So with the whole like open relationship stuff and polyamory, I feel like I resonate with that kind of way of relating because it's true. Like there are situations like when you're just dating, like you might be dating this guy because he's really funny. And then you're dating this guy because the sex is great. And you're, you know, dating this guy and you're trying to figure out, Oh, which one should I choose to settle down with? But maybe you don't know, like you want them all. So <laughs> like not everyone's going to agree with you. Um, but for people who are kind of more fluid in that way, which it is more common in the, what's been labeled as hippie community. Um, I think it's just that, that, you know, in these communities, like we're understanding it more and talking about it more. Whereas I think other people might feel this way, but they don't know, they don't understand it. They don't know, they don't have the right, um, access to information to help them. Yeah. Just understand themselves. And if they feel this way. So yeah, I, I like having commitment with freedom, just being commit, having commitment doesn't mean that your freedom needs to be taken away. Um, and freedom can be choosing to be only with one person or freedom can be choosing to have your person, your primary partner. And then also, you know, um, a, a play partner, which is like a play partner is like someone you share intimate play with like sexual play stuff like that um or a partner that is just kind of like a, an emotional support like intimacy type of partner there's so many different this could be a whole podcast in and of itself but there are so many and please please talk because it's it's, it's a long <laughs> it's a long form conversation and i'm i'm also learning from you and probably someone yeah. else that's listening to this conversation is also learning so don't be yeah. bound by time so please continue talking okay Okay, cool. Um, because also at the same time, like I'm no pro in this area. I mean, we're all learning all the time. So this is just what I know um, from what I've learned and witnessed and having my own experiences. But um, just that for me personally, like when I'm in love with someone, there's a big chunk of time that, and mind you, my longest relationship in my whole life has been 
um, almost four years. Like this was the one that ended back in 2014. So um, that's the longest relationship I've had in my life up until this point. So um, yeah, I know that when I am really in love with someone within that amount of the time frame, I really only want them, but I do have curiosities about other people. And I know that when there's like the freedom to speak about that with my partner, that the curiosity will end up going away. If my partner can hear me express like, oh, that guy was really hot or, oh, you know, that girl, that girl was really hot because I, I, and I lean more towards um, relationships with men, but I have had relationships with women in the past and I'm still open to that, but it's not um, like prominent for me. <laughs> um, and my partner is a guy. So um, like we've, we've had fun with uh, another woman and that, and that was great. Like just having this, the freedom to communicate with my partner and be like, this is how I feel. This is me. This is how I feel. And also making that space for him to share how he feels. Um, it just creates so much more freedom. Like you would think being committed to someone, you're locked in, all your freedoms are cut off. But when you allow that space for communication and honesty and accepting the other person for how they feel and not taking it personally, then you really feel so much more freedom. Cause then you're like, oh, I'm not cut off from the world. Like I'm not cut off from all these experiences. I can have them. But now that I've shared it with my partner, I don't really need to have them. Like, it was just more like this experience I wanted to have in my head. But now I've shared it with my partner. The like thrill of like, you know, it being like this, like forbidden thing, this forbidden fruit is gone now. Now I can just go back to being how I was. And like, I'm actually really happy with my partner. It actually feels really good to be able to express that to him and have him hear it. Um, like, these are all things I've experienced. And it's just, yeah, it's just for me, it feels really healthy. And that's very true to who I am. So there are plenty of people though, that are completely monogamous. They don't, they literally don't see anyone else. It's just like me and you baby, like that's it, <laughs> but I'm not one of those people. And so, yeah, I tend to lean more towards people who are more free spirited because that's, so, that's the kind so, of relationship I want. So, so let me, let me say, let me, let me, let me summarize, let me, let me summarize what I'm hearing. Yeah. What I'm hearing is if I'm with someone mm. that I really, really, really like and that person also really, really likes me as well, but because of this tendency that Kaya has, which is she can see a guy and say, man, that guy is hot, man. If she is in this thing with this guy and she doesn't have the freedom or the space or the environment to voice her desires about mm. another person then she feels really in a cloaked up situation but if she is in a space where she's free to share and say man hey by the way check out this dude man on your left and then the guy turns around looks at the guy on the left like man that dude is hot though isn't it yeah. and then this this other guy sitting across who is your guy who is who is your guy turns around and says hmm, i can see why you like him Maybe he's yeah. got a nice bomb. He's got a nice bomb or something. And then <laughs> you guys have that small, intimate conversation. The sexual desire you have of that guy dissipates because you are now in this space and this thing with this guy that you can share that with, and then you can go home with and enact that sexual desire that you wanted to have with the other person with this other guy. 
So in a way, in a way, in a way, you're not being tied down into a monogamous relationship, but because this guy has created this environment that makes you feel like you can share, because most women are more words than action. When Mm. I say words and action, for men, men, it's all about the action. That's why you can, a man can write a woman a letter and that letter can really turn her on. There's mm. no man on this earth that you can write a letter to. He wants to see a video or a picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, 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 so by you having that intimate conversation, maybe say by, by a barbecue pit or something, mm. even if you had some kind of sexual desire that you wanted to enact with that person, but because you're in this environment that you can share it with this other guy, that sexual desire with the other kind of guy dissipates. And in a way, you're almost having a monogamous relationship, even though you still have the freedom to be yourself. Exactly. Is that, is that, is that summary what you are telling us? That's that's spot on. That's You, you phrase that very well. It's like, yeah. And, and when you said like, you can then go on and enact that, that like fantasy with your partner, like, that happens a lot because nine times out of 10, the, the sex with the partner is going to be even better because you guys know each other and it's safe and it's, you know, it's comfortable, you know, each other's bodies. But, you know, if you were to run off with this new guy, it might be good, but you don't know. So it's like the fantasy of it, you, nine times out of 10 with anything, the fantasy of something is like more exciting than the actual act. Like how many times do we go out and we're like, ooh, that guy's really hot or ooh, that girl's really hot. I want to go home with them. And then you go home, you have sex and it's just like, I don't know, it lasts for a minute. You know, he, he's a one minute man or she's like lazy or, you know, or it's just like, it's you're too drunk or something. And it's just not what you thought the fantasy in your head was going to be like. But then, yeah, if it's a situation like that, it's it's exactly that too. And it's like, you you take the chains off and you're like, you have your freedom. So you when you make the choice, consciously and you have the support of this partner it's like that's so much hotter like it's so much hotter to have your partner even agreeing with you that like oh yeah he yeah that is a good looking guy i can see why you're attracted to him um it's like then i'm then i'm looking at my partner and like like oh you see me like that's so much more attractive the emotional like bond that you guys have over talking about the fantasy of this other person this third party like that is so much sexier to me but if I had a guy who was like, like, what the fuck, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then it's like, you don't see me for me. Like, this is who I am. This is how a lot of people are. We, we're going to see other attractive people in the world. And if I can share that with you, not only are you my partner, but you're also my best friend. And that is so hot. And with that being said, also the, the, what I do for, for work is also like, because I have the freedom to do this work and I'm so supported by him that's even hot like because i i i'm a sex worker and like he fully supports that he's even like um offered to like you know do stuff with me for (laughs) work and i'm like uh doesn't exactly work work that way but like just having that open mind to me an open mind is so attractive so attractive so so yeah so before before we go into the other part of what you shared with me when we spoke two weeks ago that that said you need to come on the show yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah um can i ask the question to say with the way i described the situation just a, a few minutes ago 
if someone meets you, Kaya, and says, hey, Kaya, I really like you a lot. I understand you're this free spirit and stuff, but I would like to have you back to certainty, back to certainty. My yeah. certainty side of me is I want to have you and I want to have you in in, a, in this institution of either marriage or companionship or stuff like that. And can we talk about it so that by the time we finish that conversation, we decide we want to do this either way. You don't feel as if you are being choked or you are in this situation and stuff. Is, is that, a, is that something that, is that, is that something that would work with you or marriage or companionship is not for you? <laughs> you speak no, because you totally... want to be. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's totally for me. I want, I want to have my person, like, it would be so amazing to have my person for life, you know, like till death do his part, all that stuff. Do I agree with the institution of marriage? No. Like, do I want, I don't, if I don't have to, I don't want to like, get married in the legal sense of like these binding papers and in the eyes of the law, this, this, and that I, I'm a rebel in that sense. Like if I don't have to do it, I don't want to do it. Um, so my circumstances here, I don't know. It's a little bit different, but, um, so, so how, yeah. so, so how, how, how would you, how would you do it? What's your, what would your dream kind of situation be like? Um, <laughs> my dream situation would be like, my primary my primary partner and i we are that exactly that primary partner so you know he comes first um i come first to him we have very open honest communication about stuff if we want to go off and do something else we talk about it we make sure each other like both parties are okay with it and comfortable with it um but at the end of the day like we are building a life together excuse me we have a home together um, so that we have some roots, uh, because that's the thing too. I want to keep traveling. And sometimes I want to travel with my partner. Sometimes I want to travel alone and also have fun experiences because that's like, my life is just, I love just having experiences like the crazier, the better within like, you know, safe boundaries. <laughs> um, and so I still want that freedom and my partner has to, would have to understand that and, and does understand that. And, um, uh, yeah, so that would be ideal. Cause then I also would like to have a child or two. And then during that phase of life, you know, I obviously wouldn't be running off doing crazy things. And I would expect as my primary partner, he would be the same and meeting me there. And we'd be, you know, raising this child together in a healthy and happy home. That would all be ideal. And then, you know, and then carry on and living our lives going into our older years. However, it feels at that time, maybe, you know, the, certain urges have have subsided or maybe they're still there and we're like wild swingers when we're in our 60s <laughs> i don't know <laughs> hmm. it's just yeah it would be it would be great to have a person to go through the rest of my life with but um i also have to be realistic like even if you're in a committed relationship right now that might not be the case forever you know forever yeah. is a false thing it's not it's not real <laughs> There's no further. So when we spoke two weeks ago, and what you have said on, on, on the show now, Australia was only two months. So by the time you came, you didn't know what you were going to be doing for income. Mm -hmm. And then life happened. Mm -hmm. And then 
you picked up a career which you shared with me two weeks ago, which was uh, uh, the flower delivery. Yeah. And then from mm-hmm. there, a friend made a call to you and shared something with you. And then you said, why not? So t- t- take us to how this came about to what you're currently doing right now, because I, I, find, <laughs> that ve- I-, I find that very, very fascinating. <laughs> so um I've oh like I said I I want to have as many experiences as possible and I'm also a very sexual person and so um I've I've had a lot of shame put on me as most of us have with expressing you know sexual desires and curiosities so um I didn't think when I was approached by a friend of mine who suggested doing work as an online dominatrix as a solution to my money problems. (laughs) I didn't think that that was going to be something I'd be able to do. Cause I was like, I'm not, I'm not dominant. I couldn't be mean to guys like all this stuff. I don't have what it takes. And then lo and behold, here I am a year later and I'm just like, I just love it. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's something that is very much in alignment with this path that I'm on in, um, uh, you know, discovering my purpose. My, I have many, many purposes in life, but, um, as well as being the bridge between black and white, um, that feels like a social, um, purpose. And in terms of, um, like healing work, I want to get into the realm of like healing through sexuality and, getting into being an online dominatrix that has been um, in alignment with that in the sense that I'm not exactly healing anyone, but this kind of work can be very healing. So I'm learning as, as I'm learning, like I said, it's only been a year. I'm learning about the world of kink and fetishes and all of that BDSM, which I never was drawn to before, but now I'm like, Oh, I can understand why people are into this, this and that. And yeah, it's just been very interesting. And, um, uh, I was just like, I'd always wanted to find a way to make money while I traveled. And now I found it. And this is the last thing I ever imagined myself to be doing. I thought I was going to be a, like a travel influencer and a, or a travel planner or coach or something, something having to do with travel. But now I'm like, I can travel and do that for fun because that's what I love to do. I love my freedom, but then when it comes to work, I can incorporate this sexual side of myself and like this more dominant adventure side of myself and have both of them at the same time, which has been so cool. Like right now I haven't been traveling because obviously we went through the whole pandemic stuff and lockdowns and I've been pretty stuck in Australia due to my, um, my residency status and all that process. So, um, yeah, but once I'm able to like travel freely again, it's going to be so cool to like just know that I can just hop online and you know kick some asses now. <laughs> and yeah. then I can just go wander around you know Paris and it's fine so mm. so, yeah. so you said something you said you have now come to realize what's why people do kink and BDSM and stuff mm. in your own summation why do you think this why do you think people are attracted to this form of sexual expression there's so there's so many kinks and fetishes so there's so many different reasons and and ways to go about these fetishes and reasons why people have been drawn to them but i can speak only from my own experience i feel like i can understand people better i've always i'm just a very empathic person i can really feel people's energies like 
that's it's a superpower and a curse <laughs> um very sensitive to people's energies but for so with that being said i i can only really speak for myself and my own truth in that i've found certain things to be um like i've i've discovered certain kinks and fetishes that i'm into none of the hardcore stuff personally but um just the simple fact of being a dominatrix has um awakened this part of me where i'm like Oh, so I, I, I do have these sort of, I'm a Virgo, so I do have these control issues um, in my life where I need things to be a certain way. So in being a dominatrix, I can tell someone what to do. And that like satisfies this part of me that has these control issues. Like now I don't have to label them as control issues. It's just, I, I like to have control over certain situations. And now I can like um, express that in this fun sexual like role play creative way and it just kind of like turns it in it turns it from being something that's like demonized like being controlling is demonized being a dominant woman is you know it's not feminine it's this and that it's like no it is very feminine and and it's very beautiful and it's very sexy and a lot of guys really like it and it's like oh this this part of me it's like shining light on this part of me that has been like in the shadows and demonized for so long and now I'm like it's actually just kind of like maybe it just needed to be played out in kink and that's you know now I understand it's kind of the reverse way when I'm talking about it for myself because I'm like learning about this kink whereas with other people I, I see their kink and then I can see deeper as to maybe why they have this kink but it's still the same no matter which way it goes um mm. there's certain things that we've experienced in our personal lives that you know we get excitement from playing out in a sexual scenario. Cause it's like you create the safe environment for people to, to live out their fantasies and not be shamed for it. So, yeah. Well, is, is, is there, is there a different, I know you've been doing this for, for one year now. I can, I can see, I can see the weep there the top <laughs> left of you in, on, on, on the screen here. Um, <laughs> is there a difference experiencing a dominatrix virtually than physically i've never done it physically and i'm not sure if i will I'll, I'll still i'll never say never because i didn't think i would ever do this online but now i am um and i might try it um, in person one day but i would say there's definitely differences because you're actually getting the impact like from another person um but for me personally, I know that when I tried stripping two years ago, I did not like doing the lap dances because I didn't like being touched by strange men. I can sit and have a conversation with a, a, a strange man. I say strange, meaning like new, like they're unfamiliar to me. It's, it's um, basically, basically, let, 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 let's let's practice what we talked about earlier. A stranger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a stranger. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah. Let, we don't need to be politically correct here. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a stranger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I need help with the words because I have said I'm struggling with the words. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't like being touched by strangers. Um, it makes me feel very uncomfortable. So I learned that with stripping. I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to do sex work in person. At least not stripping lap dances where I'm being this more submissive. Like I have to fake like I'm enjoying like rubbing my ass on your lap like ugh. to me personally plenty of women do it more power to them I can't do that I don't like it so I think though in the dominatrix role because I'm in a more like I'm I have more power um 
that maybe I could do it in, in person because, you know, there's boundaries, there's boundaries that you set, there's hard limits so that it creates really a safe space where stripping, it's very much like, I don't know, (laughs) you're kind of, you're fitting into this guy's fantasy and that's what he's here for. He's here for you to be what he wants you to be in a submissive way. But with the dominatrix, you're there to be still in a way what he wants you to be, but in a powerful way, like you in a more dominant way. So yeah, in a dominatrix situation, if I was doing it in person, I would be doing things like, um, you know, maybe using a paddle to spank them or having them worship my feet and like kiss, kiss my feet and stuff while they tell me how amazing I am or um, having them like, you know, hand, hand me money. That's like financial domination. There's so many different areas of dominatrix work and, and female domination that I'm learning more and more about every day. And I'm like, all right, some of this I could definitely do in person, but other things like there's something called pegging, which I, I don't know if everyone's familiar with that term, but that's something I don't think I would do. That is when, do you want me to describe what it is? Uh, I, I, I think yeah. some people that, some, yeah, but I, I know yeah. what pegging is, by the way. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can, you can Google it. You can Google it, guys. <laughs> you, you can Google it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, 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 you know, the thought that came to my mind is, Every every time someone starts something like myself, I just started a podcast mm. and never never ever used my voice before. Mm. But every time I finish a conversation, the question I always ask myself is, are you honing your craft? Yeah. So now you are one year in, and every time when I say honing my craft, I would go study the people like Charlie Rose, Oprah Winfrey. Uh, Larry King I think I'm more of a Larry King kind of guy because <laughs> I don't I don't this conversation can end with you and you can introduce me to somebody else in Australia who I don't really know anything about and I kid you not we can end up talking for three hours be, without even knowing anything about the person so yeah. because I go around studying this other people so that I can continue to be a better conversationalist and stuff do you find yourself doing that in the world of dominatrix continuing to hone your craft so that you probably one day, because, you know, there's a lady I heard about in Las Vegas who is a midget. Mm. And she's the, she's the most expensive sex sex worker in the world. Wow. In the world. Yeah, actually, you know what? I need to find the episode. She, she had, she, she went on a podcast with Tim Ferriss mm. and uh, when she was telling Tim Ferriss how much she makes, <laughs> I was like, I was like, and we are going to school seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I think, I think what, I think what, if I remember correctly, I think she said what she has come to learn with what she does is, these men come to her because they have a need, and she has to think like a psychologist. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not necessarily the sexual act per se, but there is something else that they are trying to either run away from, or there's something else that they are dealing with but they feel that this would help them, but not necessarily. So when you, when you provide this to them, but also attack the other need, you're almost like cocaine to them because now they have found something that is healing the other need. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel as if maybe she had had to hone, hone her, her craft to become this person that she's actually, she says she's, if I remember correctly, I think she said she's booked up to two years in advance. Wow. <laughs> yeah. She was saying that she was saying that some people come all the way from the casinos. They, they call them in the casino world, they call them whales. 
yeah yeah whales yeah whale whales the people that spend the big money right and these whales upon coming to las vegas already book her in advance so that they're coming to to gamble but they're also coming to have a good time as well yeah Um, so for you for you do you do you look at it that way like trying to hone your craft and just get better at what you're doing absolutely yeah a lot of people will look at at sex work in general um as just an easy way out but it is so much work it is called sex work for a reason it's work and um i learned that like stripping taught me that i always would tell myself oh if i fail at this and that i'll just fall back on stripping and i knew that in telling myself i was like tell me telling myself that i was like i can't keep saying that because i've never done stripping i don't know how hard it actually might be so let me just try it and that's why i tried it once and i realized this is work like I have so much respect for dancers and all sex workers and now being really actually being a sex worker myself and seeing how much work it takes and how much energy it takes like to not only do the work working one-on-one with these people, but to also then when you're not working with someone, with a client, you're off on the side figuring out how to, yeah, perfect your craft and learn more about the psychological side of kink and, you know, how to, yeah, be a better, um, performer therapist. Like all you're all these roles, you know, like you're, you're doing a lot in these sessions and yeah, a lot of people don't realize that, but you are, you are like a, someone psychologist and also providing a fun experience. So entertaining them, um, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I do want to keep, I want to keep getting better at it, even as I lead it into a more like the route of like a healer. Um, yeah. I don't, I still have to figure out what that means to me. Um, healing through sexuality with also doing this work. Um, I'm finding my way with that now, but yeah, I, I always want to keep getting better in this area. This is like the first time I feel like I really am driven to get better at something that's not like a, um, like a creative project. Like I'm learning to play the bass. I want to get better at that, but that's, that's different from this kind of like, it's very deep emotional work that you have to do to become the best dominatrix and sex worker that you can be. Is it, is, is the dominatrix world, are there lots of women that come seeking the services of a dominatrix or it's just, it's predominantly men? Um, there have been a couple, but then again, if it's all online, I don't know if they're actually women. They could be men posing as women because that's their fantasy. That's their kink is to be a woman. Um, it's yeah, there's a whole, whole bunch of terms I could throw at you, but yeah, they might say like, oh, you know, I'm a little sissy slut. It's like sissification. No, no, no. No, my question is, my question is not, is not who they are impersonating. My question Uh, is, my, my question is. Do women also come looking for a dominatrix? Which, yeah, from, well, from, I guess from, from from another woman. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. It could be a woman. Like, they'll say that they're a woman, and because I don't see them, it's all through texting. Or... Oh, you don't see yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, no, not all the oh. time. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, okay. Yeah. It depends on the platform that I'm working, but if I'm doing a one-on-one Skype session or if I'm live streaming and they have a webcam, then I can see them. But some interactions with subs, submissives, um, slaves, servants, whatever you want to call them, 
they are just through text. So it could, it could be an actual woman or it could be a, a guy posing as a woman because his kink is to be a sissy, which is to be a woman. So it's hard oh to my. tell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I honestly thought online dominatrix was all visual. Yeah. I mean, they can see me. I'm, I'm visual. Oh, to them. oh they, they can see you. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> but they don't want to be seen sometimes. Some of them don't want to be seen. Yeah. Because you can be dealing with someone that is a really public person. Oh, that's possible. I never even thought of that. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Huh, that's it. So, so, so when they see you, they send you, they send a message. But you, 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 you are in charge of the situation, correct? Yeah, yeah. Which is which is unlike when you were stripping two years ago. Yeah. yeah so, exactly. so I think if I were to deduce what you're sharing, you'd like to be empowered, literally. Yeah, yeah. And this is just my experience because I'm sure there are plenty of strippers who are very much in their power and and dominant, and that's their thing. But I just felt like. I don't know. I, I was new at it. I felt very submissive. I didn't really, yeah, didn't know how to stand in my power and make money. I just felt like, well, I kind of have to just do what they want. Still with my boundaries, like, you know, if they went to touch a certain spot in me and I didn't like that, if I continued to do it, I would be like, that's a hard no. You're not going to touch me there. Um, but yeah, hmm. still. And, and two years ago, let me let me press pause here and ask mm -hmm. you on our final uh what a break we're about to take and ask you this question on the other side so that from there we can flow towards the end of our conversation here but i'm really glad that first of all that you're sharing this i mean it's your story and mm -hmm. at the end of the day you just never know who's listening and 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 i like the way you're marrying your interest with everything so that you're basically being fluid because at the end of the day you love traveling but mm -hmm. economic situations are also important <laughs> so mm -hmm. you can be fluid in the sense that you can be doing the thing you enjoy doing but wherever you find yourself you are you are able to create an economic opportunity for yourself mm -hmm. that's uh very interesting so yeah. we we are going to have our final uh interlude if i may yeah. use that word <laughs> we're gonna have a final interlude yeah we're gonna have a final interlude here with kaya and then i'm gonna come back with kaya and ask a few other questions i also want to also un understand why she stopped podcasting mm. so, <laughs> so stay with us we're we'll back with kaya <laughs> So, Kaya, thank you very much for being very generous with your time. I think, uh, what time is it right now in Australia? Close to one o'clock? Yeah, 12.14 p.m. <laughs> Jeez, we have been going on now in over two hours, almost crossing into three hours. So I really want to thank you very much for your time. So yeah. where we were before we took our final interlude here was you were sharing with us about this 
career path you've taken, which is the being in the dominatrix, being an online dominatrix, and you were educating us on what that entails. And mm-hmm. what I came, what I deduced from everything is you like to be in situations that are more in a power play kind of uh, role instead of being in the other situation where you were a stripper and you didn't like the way men were coming at you. If I may ask, um, what made you decide to think of doing stripping? And was that in the United States or some other place? Oh, that was here in Australia. I was just trying to figure out how to support myself because um, my partner had just carried most of the weight in that area, being that he's from here and um, me with my working holiday visa and then my um, my residency status just being in limbo. It's just I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how because we were also traveling a bunch. So um, yeah, just for that time being, we were settled in one place for two, I think, um, I don't know, a few months. And then, um, yeah, I was just like, I was doing nannying, like I'd always done my entire adult life. I just found a babysitting nannying gig and it, I was miserable. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what, this is that time in my life where I think I am going to do that whole thing where I said, I, you know, if all else fails, I'll try stripping, but at least I had a more like, um, a better outlook about it to the point where I was like, I know that this isn't just a fallback plan, but this is a good time to try it. Cause there's a strip club nearby or close enough. There's a strip club close enough to where I am. It seems small and clean and, you know, a good place to try this out. So I just gave it a shot and yeah, didn't like being touched. Also my knees, I have knee issues now since having that torn meniscus and all of that. Um, my knee issues have just gotten worse. So being in those heels all night <laughs> and dancing, I love the dancing part, but yeah, my knees were just like, nah. <laughs> is is there, is there, is there any orientation that is done before one goes on the floor and start dancing? Is there any what? Sorry. Or- orientation. Oh, no, I just got, <laughs> they were just like, all right, it's you like, should go up and try. Wow. So yeah. here, here, here is the platform starts to do your thing. There's no form of training, nothing. No, like uh, most of the girls probably have been doing this either a long time or they've trained and take po- taken pole dancing classes. I've never taken a pole dancing class in my life. And everyone was like, so how long have you been dancing? I was like, this is my first time. <laughs> I'm glad it looks like I've been doing it for a while, but nope. <laughs> I know how to fake it till I make it with a lot of physical activities. Like I'll just throw myself in. I watch and I'm really observant and I watch and I learn that way. And then I'm, I'm very grateful that my body has allowed me to do that. But I felt the consequences by, uh, <laughs> by way of my knees being like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and, and how long did you do that for two months? No, I did it for one night. <laughs> oh. three, I bought three outfits. I bought the shoes, which I don't know if you can, you can see the people. Oh, but, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can yeah, see that. Those, those yeah, heels are long. That's, yeah, that's, is, that, is that six and six inch or what? They are seven inch heels, and I'm five oh. ten, <laughs> so I Jesus. was ginormous. What's that? Six five? <laughs> yeah, that is tall. Yeah, very tall. So yeah, my body was like one night. That's it. I couldn't really walk normal for about two weeks after that my knees were really swollen it was not good <laughs> wow yeah that is crazy yeah anyway i mean you're happy what <laughs> you're doing now so let me ask you what have you learned 
since you now started online dominatrix about yourself? Oh, I have learned that I'm really good at acting, which I, I knew I'd done one play in my adult life and I knew I did really well at it when I was, I don't know what, 23. Um, but continuing on doing it now, I'm like, I love acting. So I've learned that I, I really am very talented in the arts, all forms. I just need to apply myself more. <laughs> um, so that I've also learned that like being dominant is sexy and feminine and that I don't have to feel shame for um, being a more dominant woman in certain times in certain roles. I also am very submissive and I love being submissive. So that's something you would call a, someone you would call a switch. Like they are dominant and submissive and they can go from one to the other. Um, in work, they only know me as dominant. <laughs> in my personal life, I prefer being submissive, but I will also, I also enjoy being dominant. So just embracing that part of me and seeing how it's well received by so many men, even though I don't know them personally, they're attracted to it. And that makes me realize like, okay, yeah, being a dominant woman is fucking, it's attractive, it's sexy, it's feminine. So that's been really great. Um, so yeah, just finding my power in that role. It's been one of the best things for me. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah, happy to. So you were podcasting at one time. What was the vision of the podcast and what kind of topics were you were you were you were you having on your podcast? Or what, what was the vision and what topics were you trying to 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 to, to educate your yeah. audience on? So like I said, I love to have crazy experiences within the safe boundaries, within safe boundaries. But um so the podcast is called A Little Less Crazy and it's basically a, a little a little a less little crazy. Less crazy, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. basically, um every episode I'd either be interviewing someone or it was just me talking about a topic. And it was the purpose of it was just to help the listeners feel less crazy themselves by hearing about um, maybe like a taboo subject that they have never heard of. And it's like, Oh wow. That's like that. Well, that's to like make the, the subject feel as crazy. This is why, this is why I've taken a long break because I'm like trying to read re what is it? Rebrand configure. Or, re reconfigure yeah. that. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for the words. Um, I'm trying to reconfigure that. Uh, but at the time it was like, I just wanted people to feel less alone, less crazy for things they might've been curious about. I could, you know, talk about, I've talked to, with people about, um, uh, non-monogamy. I've talked with people about like sexual health. I've talked with people about all kinds of stuff. I have plans to have more people on that. Um, when I get back to it, um, I know one guy, he only eats fruit. He's a fruitarian. Um, Are you serious? Yeah, that's what I'm oh saying. Oh my like, god! All all the meats in the world. He doesn't enjoy meats. Oh my god! <laughs> Jesus Christ! Okay, wow. He enjoys some meaty fruit. No. Um. Yeah, it, it, stuff like that, like things that people might think are crazy. I I want to bring people on to talk about these things to make those things seem less crazy, or just have them be more understood, and then also talk about topics that we might all think or feel or have been through that have made us feel like we're alone or we're crazy. You know, like I was very open about the time that I was raped and how that affected me. And, oh. you know, I'll talk about, yeah, I'll talk about anything. Like, this is just me. I'm very 
transparent and in a way that I, I want to help other people feel less alone about like the really intense stuff that nobody wants to talk about. And, um, so the reason though, why I took a break with that is because life just got my personal life got too crazy <laughs> with so for so many reasons I won't get into, but I just needed to take a break for my own mental health to get myself together. And now I'm also, I wanted to start back up in August, but now I've learned that I have um, scarring on my vocal cords and I've been trying to retrain my vocal cords to sing, <clears throat> but the scarring, I have to heal it. So I really have to be gentle on my voice. So doing a podcast like this every once in a while is great being on someone else's podcast, but having my own and recording constantly talking constantly, I already have to talk for work. So I just figured I'd take one, <laughs> give, give myself a break in one area and the podcast, um, unfortunately is that area, but I love it and I'm going to get back to it and I might just change it to cruising with Kaya, the cruising with Kaya podcast and fit it in with my, my branding of that travel mm-hmm. adventure experiences, all of that kind of stuff. But yeah. So you said something here that got my attention and mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to share without going to specifics that might touch on raw nerves and emotion. Sure. But you said you were raped. Mm, yeah. Uh, by someone you knew or what happened? Yeah. So I go more in depth in it in that episode. Uh, but Which, I... what, 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 what episode number is it so that I can put it in oh. the show notes? Oh, thanks. Um, I think it's episode four. Honestly, it's very early on in the <laughs> in episode the... four. Episode okay. four of I'm, a little I'm, less. I'm going, to, I'm going to put in the show notes in case anybody wants to listen to it in depth. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, because yeah, I'm happy to, to share all of that. And yeah, the, oh, it's episode three. Episode three. Epi- episode um, three. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's called It Rhymes with Schmape. <laughs> That's the name. It, it, of the it says, it's titled what? It Rhymes with Schmape. Schmape. Because okay. have you, what's, I think there's a movie or something and they're like, it rhymes with shmushmortion and they're talking about abortions. <laughs> so it's, oh, yeah okay, okay that was my right. uh my take for the 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 episode for the my title my, yeah <laughs> um so anyways yeah it happened in 2015 and it was a friend of a friend so I had just moved to Chicago and I had befriended this group and one of the guys in the group um had tried to like make a move on me but like I said I'm a tall girl he was quite short. I didn't feel threatened by him at all. We'd been out at a party. I just like, you know, politely turned him down when he tried to like dance close with me. And I was like, eh. And then the next time I went out with this group, so I didn't know him very well, but he was in the group of friends and I knew him. Um, the next time we went out, um, I had an experience of feeling like I was just gonna topple over. Like we were out at a bar, we'd been out like bar hopping the whole night. And I just felt like I didn't, I felt like I was falling asleep on my feet. And yeah, I, it took a long time to understand what had happened because I was 26 at the time. I, I just, I couldn't fathom like that. This is what happened because the whole experience, it felt like, you know, we're so conditioned to tell ourselves, like, if this is how it went down, we must've wanted it. But I remember very clearly saying no and then waking up without my clothes on, 
There was no condom in sight. Like I'm very big on sexual health and protection with, especially, you know, if it's a committed relationship and you're being responsible, then, you know, we can talk about that. But overall, I'm very much pro condoms, pro protection, especially with someone new. So it was just, there were too many pieces that I was like, I felt so uneasy when I woke up naked next to this guy who I wouldn't have slept with if I'd been in my right mind. And, you know, there's just, just so much conditioning of like, Oh, well you were drunk and like you slept with him. So it's not a big deal. You know, like we all make mistakes. No, this was not a mistake. I very clear, like I had a moment where I, it was like a fading in and out of this, like not, it wasn't a normal feeling of like, Oh, I'm drunk. It was like, I'm literally falling asleep and I can't stay awake. And, but I think something with my body, I don't know if it's a survival mode or what, or maybe the dose of whatever was slipped in my drink. Cause now I know there was something slipped in my drink, <laughs> um, which also took a long time to admit to myself, but yeah, the, the way that I, I remember things coming in, I was like, I said, no, I know that I said no. And nobody's going to tell me I didn't cause no, <laughs> I know when I make like a drunken, not mistake, but like kind of, you know, a drunken impulsive decision. And I'm like, Ooh, I kind of regret that. And I also know when something like now looking back, I'm like, I know the difference in those two certain, you know, situations. So yeah, rape doesn't have to be violent. It doesn't have to be some big burly man that, you know, you don't know it can be the little guy in your friend group who found a way to get you. <laughs> How did you feel that morning or that whenever you woke up and found yourself in that situation? I felt, I felt gross. I felt gross. And then I actually ended up contracting an STI from him and I didn't know. Um, obviously I didn't know um, until I went and got tested, which I'm very, like I said, diligent with sexual health and very diligent about getting tested and yeah, it was like, not only did he violate my body in that way of like having sex with me without my consent, but he also left me with this STI. And so I was angry. I was hurt. I like, didn't know how to manage my feelings at the time. So I went and kind of had some reckless experiences that I'm just like, if I was in my right mind, I wouldn't have chosen this person. But now it's like, you know, I'm trying to get my power back. So I'm just going to sleep with whoever I want because I chose this, you know, it was like this weird, like my mind, I was just like, so I was really messed up from it. So I've done a lot of healing work around it and I'm still doing healing work around it because there's other instances that I'm realizing like, Oh, there was another experience from my teenage years where something happened with a boyfriend that was rape that I didn't know at the time I said no and it happened anyways and so yeah once you start to realize things it's like okay yeah we got a lot of healing work to do because <laughs> you can't did go you, back uh, to the past but did, did you ever confront him during the healing period I didn't the the last mm, no what was the last thing I did tell him that he gave me an STI, but that was still when I was in the thick of like not knowing what had happened and not being able to admit it to, to myself. But no, I've just done a lot of like, kind of like somatic healing work where it's like, 
like I would do stuff like where I physically would pretend like feel like he's there right in front of me, close my eyes and like talk to him without actually talking to him. Like there's a lot of work you can do healing around stuff with other people without actually interacting with them. Um, Cause yeah, I just, I have no desire to tell him what he did or um, yeah. Like I feel like maybe if I did that it could help someone else or something like that. But there's just, there's some things it's like you, you should speak up about and other things it's like, it's your decision at the end of the day, if you want to take it to that level, you know? Um, yeah. If it was a, if it personally, well, I don't know. Yeah. Now I'm like kind of thinking about it. I'm like having a bit of a moral dilemma, but anyways, <laughs> we'll wow. get to that. In a yeah. Oh my. Yeah. I, I, when before you mentioned the rape incident and you were answering the question, I was about to segue to the final, yeah. uh, the final section of uh, the show. Typically, yeah, if, uh, regular people listening to the show would know that this is typically when I'm about to wrap up the conversation. Yeah, which I'm about, which I'm still going to be doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and I'm going to ask the question, but I don't know what what else would top that. So the, the question, the question I wanted, the question I was about to ask, which I'm going to still ask now, is: Has there been any situation that was a major setback for you at that time, and it was very destabilizing? And how did you rebound from that? Now, listening to the story, prior to asking this question, now I'm assuming that the rape incident is, is that situation. Am I correct, or there's something else? that just to clarify that set me back from from what exactly no no so the question is yeah do you have a destabilizing event that has occurred in your life oh. and and yes if you have can you share, share that with us and most importantly mm. how how did you rebound from that mm. but but but, yeah. but you see but you see you just started talking about the other incident so i'm, I'm thinking in my head you're 34 years old what else what else would what else would a woman go through that is more destabilizing that but I don't want to put words in your mouth I'm yeah, as I said no. I'm still I'm still asking the question mm. yeah no that's a good question and I think yeah that probably is a big one because it was after that that I felt like I started to lose a lot of my power even though I was doing healing work to get it back that act took a lot of my power away in a way where I started to kind of fall into those more, um, those roles with like, like I said, I uproot, uh, kind of, I didn't really have a life to uproot, but I made a decision to go live in another country based on a guy who didn't want the kind of relationship I wanted, you know, it was like, I became very, um, how do I explain it? Needy? Kind of in a way, probably that, that could fit. Um, like I just, I just wanted to feel oh, validation. Loved. Yeah. Just loved and treated well and, and, and have a man kind of take charge so I could fall into my more submissive self and, um, yeah, not always have to be in survival mode with, with travel and with my healing. Um, so yeah, I did go on to do a lot of my traveling after that. Cause that was actually before my big uh, Thailand trip and all of that, everything yeah. that came after. Um, that was the point in my time where I was saving up for that trip. So 
yeah, all of the relationships that I found myself forming with guys were like, after that point started to shift. I felt like I'd had a very healthy grip on relationships before that. And after that it changed. So yeah, been coming back. I, I, ha I have a question that just popped in my mind and it's just a question. Sure. This happened to you when you were 26. Mm -hmm. And you said that your first solo trip was 27 when you went to Thailand mm -hmm. after the demise, after not, I don't want to use the word demise, after mm -hmm. your relationship, your longest relationship, which was four yeah. years ended. So yeah. that means your longest relationship ends, mm -hmm. this rape incident happens, and then you go to Thailand. Do mm -hmm. you sometimes think back to that man or that boyfriend and say, if I was still with him, this would never have happened? All the time. Oh, my God. <laughs> you have no idea. Like, he was the one I thought we were going to, like, you know, settle down, have the house, have the kids. Because I, I was 25. I was just turning 26 when we broke up. And I was, like, devastated. Because at that age, you know, a lot of a lot of us think at that age, like, we need to do all these things because we're getting old. 26 is so young. Like, once you pass that, you're like, oh, my God, what was I thinking? Um, but I do still go back in my head sometimes. And I'm like, man, if we had just stayed together, maybe I'd, I'd yeah, I wouldn't have had to deal with all, all the trauma I've dealt with. But my mom is actually a great reminder in this. Having dealt with so much trauma, because it's not just the rape, there's so many other things. And a lot of us have various forms of trauma that we can't compare. You know, everyone's experience is different. But the trauma that we experience, that is truly what shapes us. And as long as we are conscious about um, recognizing it and trying to heal it so that it doesn't cause like, further issue in our life, um, you know, then we can go on to help other people. And so it's, it sucks to experience the trauma we experience, but if we like, you know, kind of shift it into being able to use that as fuel to help other people, then that's kind of, I don't know. I, I think that's a big part of what it means to be alive is to take your experience no matter how hard or good or bad it, it's been and turn it into something to help others. And so, yeah, I would like to. Think yeah. That. <laughs> you know, so, you know, when, when people ask me, UI, what's the vision of the show? Mm. I tell, I tell people selfless inspiration mm. because somebody is going to listen to this conversation, whatever part of the, whatever part of your story, and they will be inspired for whatever part of your story, but you and I would never know that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's why that's why I say selfless inspiration. Yeah. Wow! 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 Man, yeah, um, a lot. <laughs> th thanks for sharing. I never, you know, first of all, I never knew. I, I most of the things you've shared on this conversation, I never knew because we had that brief conversation in Costa Rica. Yeah. And thank God for technology. Uh, we, we connected on Instagram. I've just been silently watching you. And then when, 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 when the show was created and formed, I said, who do I have in my network? Because sometimes we always think of people that are far away. Mm -hmm. You never look within and realize that within you actually have a lot. Yeah, <laughs> so when, totally. when I was doing some, when I was doing some introspection, Kaya, and <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to flatter you, but I came back on Instagram because of you. Oh, well, I'm flattered. I really, <laughs> I, I, I really did because there was a, there was no other way I would connect you because I had left Instagram since since February of uh, last year. Sorry, February of this year. So when mm -hmm. I came back, I saw I had 12 messages 
And I had to go back to everybody and start apologizing to them and say, sorry, I didn't see your message. I was away and everything. But when I thought about you, I was like, there is no way I'm going to connect with this girl unless I get back on Instagram. So that's Sunday. I came back and here we are talking. Um, so, <laughs> so Kaya, if, um, if failure was not a word or not a thing, mm. what, what endeavor would you, would you take on? Oh, if I absolutely could not fail at it. If, you, if failure was not even at all, you would definitely succeed. It would definitely become a reality. It would blossom and everything. What would that be? I want to be a rock star. <laughs> like I would love, not necessarily rock music, but I want to be like, I want to be up on a stage making music and touching people. Like just, I want to be singing, playing the bass. Like I would love to play every, I would love to be a Jimi Hendrix, play everything, or sorry, I am uh, Prince, play everything, um, every instrument. Prince, and just, Prince, Prince could play every instrument? Yeah, I, I I remember hearing that, yeah, like he would, he would just jump in the recording studio and just like, he's just like amazing. Just like <laughs> play every instrument and record a track. He would record like, a whole album in like a day not no not a day but he would record no oh, maybe he did i can't remember the the minor details but he's just basically he was a beast <laughs> um just a genius absolute genius um and yeah i i would love that i love music so much i have just been afraid of failure afraid of not being good enough afraid of not being uh, afraid of being seen um and not not being good enough um, so yeah, if failure was not an option. I would be belting my heart out on a stage with my bass, like slaying that thing. Oh my God. It feels so good. <laughs> so I, I, I saw a video of you on Instagram of you playing the bass with uh, somebody on stage. Oh yeah. That's my partner. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, he raps. I, so yeah. So I, I saw that and I saw that he was saying, it's a, and, no, and then your typical self said something to the crowd. It's my first time. And I was like, it's only Kaya, man. It's only Kaya. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. It's literally everything. You can just, I, I could be a ghost. You can literally see right through me. That's how transparent I am about everything. It's unbelievable, man. So, 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 but, but let me ask that you are this full of life kind of person. Why haven't you decided to just, jump in and do it because i mean I've, i see your ig stories your ig stories are out of this world like there's this one that you just had you did the other day and i just sent you a comment like who are you where it is literally all this artwork renaissance, that have portrait? been, re, re, renaissance portraits yeah. and then your voice is like not your voice your eyes are like i see <laughs> and you're basically making you're basically making eye comments like a man another man is trying to make get your attention and you're like yeah don't look at me. I can see you. And I was just like, who does this? Like, how does she have time to create all this kind of stuff? So that person that is so confident and does all, no, let me not use the word confident. You have to be confident to be able to be silly. Yeah. That's that being silly. That is my thing. I love, so I love travel. I love, you know, all things in the sexual realm and I love humor, like humor, goofiness, silliness. I love it. So if I can make people okay. laugh and music and music, sorry, okay. but humor, so, yeah. If you're, this, if you're this if you're this person that loves making people laugh and you are open to be being silly yeah why don't you just grab the bass and just be silly on stage and then allow the silliness to come out 
I think it's just though it's it's like the the creative artist struggle. It's like a lot of artists struggle with finding or taking one thing and honing that one craft because we can be good. A lot of artists can be good at a lot of different things, but to focus in on one thing and perfect it, it's it's challenging. So like I said, I want to travel, I want to get really good or do healing work in the sex industry, you know, sex work, healing work. I want to make music. I want to be silly. Like all these things. I love, you know, video co content creation. That was pretty much what I majored in in college way back in the day. And there's all these different things I want to do, but to take the time to like, just get fully obsessed with only the base, I would have to basically go broke because I, I can't like, it's so hard for me to put my energy into all these different things. So that's something I'm in the process of figuring out, like, how can I really live my dreams? All of them, how can I live all of them? Maybe I can't. And that's something I'll eventually figure out if that's the case. Maybe I do really have to just choose one or two. But I have such a broad range of interests that I think I take to Instagram so much and social media so much because it allows me to be everything that I am just be myself with all these interests. So <laughs> wow man you've been so generous with your time uh, if uh if the audience wanted to connect with you or get to view some of this silly <laughs> this silly side of you or that we we have become accustomed to that uh know you uh, yeah. how how can how can they keep in touch with you or connect with you well my public instagram is cruising with kaya and that's cruising with k-a-y-a -A, kaya um, and then my private uh, personal account, which I'm very much myself on, but I, you know, I, I might open it up again to being public. It's Kaya 8 Papaya, like K-A-Y-A number 8 Papaya. Um, and yeah, that's that's it right now. I'm trying to get into TikTok. That's a challenge. <laughs> um, but then there's my podcast, A Little Less Crazy, which may go down the Cruising with Kaya route. So I think Cruising with Kaya on Instagram is probably the best place to find the hub of everything that I do. Why do you have a private Instagram account? Uh, I wanted my private one to be, because then, you know, if I want to share like a photo of my niece or like a pretty flower, you know, I don't know. It's just like kind of my visual diary. So I only have people follow that that I know, but there are plenty of people that follow me that I don't know personally that, yeah. As long as it's yeah. not a bot, I try to keep the bots out. <laughs> how, 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 how do you know the bots? Um, I've gotten really good at spotting them. You can tell, you can tell, cause there's a lot of fakes out there trying to imitate like, um, bigger brands and bigger uh, public figures. So I just delete, delete, delete all their requests, but normal everyday people, if we have a friend in common, I'll usually expect you. So if they're your friend, if they're following you, then they can follow me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Jesus. That's a huge uh, feather in my hat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway man kaya man thank you so much for coming on the show and being very open and being vulnerable mm -hmm. and um i mean when we spoke two weeks ago you know i told you about the show and what the show is all about and i have to admit that some of the things you shared today i, I did not see them coming and <laughs> I, really I really appreciate you for sharing and the most important thing as i said is selfless inspiration you don't know you don't know who out there you are inspiring you don't know who out there you have enabled not to make a leap that they will never return back from that leap 
Mm. And to hear to hear your story about the rape situation and look at you still blossoming. Mm. Uh, I sometimes I not sometimes as you were telling me the story, the first thing I was thinking about was the guy in Chicago and trying to figure out where he is and like, do you know what you've done? Mm. <laughs> what I know. Your, what was your motive, man? Seriously, yeah. just to as we will say, as you will say in the streets, just to just to have a nut? Really? There's yeah. so many other girls mm. out there, man. <laughs> I know. Come on. Come on. I know. It's it's yeah. messed up. It's I it's gotta be yeah, it's messed up. I couldn't even yeah. try to dig his head, but I thought that way too. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. man. Kudos mm. to you, man. Stay strong. Enjoy you. Can't let him break us. Don't let him don't let anyone break you. The best thing we have is the ability to love. Like that is something it can be a superpower and it's a superpower and it can also be really challenging, but it's always going to come back with the greatest reward is just keeping an open heart and an open mind. You have the last word. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Kaya. Thanks, you are. All right. Well, there we go. Another episode of uh, the show has come to an end. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with the guest and uh, learned something from it and a particular part of uh, his or her story inspired you to make that move, whatever that move could be for you. Uh, with that being said, please subscribe to the show. Uh, you can also leave a review. The review really helps the show to grow and gets uh, in the ears of other people. Um, also share with a friend, someone that you know in your network that you believe this episode, they need to hear this. Uh, you can share it with that individual. Uh, whatever podcast directory you use, uh, look for the share option and uh, share it to that person. Lastly, don't forget to go on the website www.uriukpong.com to subscribe to Three Nuggets Weekly where I share three things that I found interesting the previous week and uh, think may add value to your life. With that being said, I'm wishing you a great week and I will uh, come back to your ears next week. Have a good one now and do something crazy. Bye for now.